we're, <laughs> we're live. Are you okay? I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, hi, everyone. We'll be live. We are here, me and Susanna. We're going to be talking about the news, about atheism, religion, politics, secularism, all that stuff. Mostly religion-related stuff. Um, how is the news today? Is it funny? Is it ridiculous? Is it tragic? Is it disgusting? Is it what? Is, what do we? Oh my God! Well, we have a few stories that are rough. Some of them are important updates on stuff we've talked about before. Um, but we're and then some. Some there's a few that are hilarious. Mm-hmm. So people are saying hi in the live chat. Hi, 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 AGA. Hi. Shri, uh, hi D, hi Troel, hi Satya, uh, hi uh, something I don't remember. Soha, hi Soha, hi Andres, our so con- uh, Facebook. Yeah, we should acknowledge something because mm-hmm. Shriyash is saying loving the new timing. So yes, we are going to be having a new time at least for the next three months because I'm going to be living in Europe for a while, um, and. The dealio is that this will be the new time, <laughs> but I don't understand how time difference. No, this work. will not be the new. No, this is not going to be the new time. Okay, it's guys, a just new time, d- but the wrong day. <laughs> new time, wrong day. Okay, so next week this is going to be a day earlier. Okay, we're going to be jumping around a little bit. Okay, but it's going to be this time for a while. The news, the Q and A will go back eventually. The Q and A next week. You know what? Just. You know what? Just hit the bell notification, okay? And you will know. Hit the subscribe button and hit the bell notification, and it will tell you, okay? But we're gonna be switching around for for while well, Susie is traveling and in Europe, we're gonna it's gonna be jumping around a little bit. Basically, I I I messed it up. It should have no, been yesterday. No, I did. No, no, it, it was would, supposed it to would, be yesterday, but it's it fine. Would be too, here. We made it. It would be too close to the Q and it is okay. Yeah. Anyways, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I literally had like half my team checking. I'm like, can you tell me when this is when you are? Because I don't think this is right. Turns out it was not right. <laughs> <laughs> like we're sticking with it now. Um, and Charles is saying, can we give a big happy birthday to Ghost Bunny? Is she here? Is she here? I don't think happy she's birth- here yet. Happy birthday. If she shows up, we will give her a happy birthday for sure. Definitely. Yeah. So make sure to alert, alert us. Um, yeah. All that being said, is there anything else we need to say for announcements before we get started? I think that no, was it. No, let's get started. Let's get started. Okay. Are you ready for the first news? I'm ready. I'm ready. Wait, is it clappable? Um, I think it's Yeah, it's clappable. Yes. Yeah, but, okay. Next news. Next news. First news. Salman Rushdie survives attack by Iran regime sympathizer. Wait, start from the beginning. Start August... from the beginning. Your audio got cut right in the middle of reading the title. Okay. Oh, geez. Okay, yes. Sorry. First news. Salman Rushdie survives attack by Iran regime sympathizer. On August 12th, Salman Rushdie, the famed dissident author, was attacked in a vicious stabbing during a lecture in New York State. The attacker was identified as 24-year-old Hadi Matar. According to eyewitnesses, Matar stabbed slash punched Rushdie more than 10 times. Despite being caught right after the attack, Matar pled not guilty during his arraignment on August 18th. 
In an interview with the New York Post, Matar said he admires Iran's previous supreme leader, Ayatollah Khomeini, who infamously issued the religious ruling, or fatwa, which called for the murder of Rushdie in response to his quote-unquote blasphemous novel, The Satanic Verses. The Islamic Republic of Iran has denied allegations that it was involved in Rushdie's attack. However, Vice News reported that anonymous European and Middle Eastern intelligence officials confirmed that Matar communicated directly with members of Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, or IRGC. More precise and specific information about the attacker's motives is not known at this time. According to Andrew Wiley, Rushdie's literary agent, his recovery is, quote, headed in the right direction. The author suffered a liver uh, injury and severed nerves in his arms, and Wiley added that he might lose an eye. Well, when the attack took place, Rushdie was about to deliver a lecture at the um, Chautauqua, Chautauqua Institution in Chautauqua, New York. Ironically, the scheduled topic of discussion was how the United States is a haven for exiled writers and artists. Okay, I have... So this is old news, but there's a lot of discussion about this that we could analyze, and we could take this into a million different directions, okay? We could talk about the original fatwa and a lot of little details that people don't know about that, okay? The political motivation behind that. We could talk about how Islamic this is, because I might have some disagreements with other people, with a lot of ex-Muslims about how Islamic this um, act was. And we could talk about the reactions by of Muslims, but also I have criticism from the reactions of reactions by critics of Islam, okay? Because I feel like I've noticed like there is an attempt to show by critics of Islam that all Muslims are celebrating this. But I have seen Muslims, not just random Muslims, like big institutions and organizations condemning this, okay? I've seen major YouTubers, major um, scholars um, condemning this, okay? So, I mean, I do show the ones that are celebrating this, but I think if we want to be honest to our audience, if you show one side and you don't show the other you're kind of doing your audience at the service as well. So there are many Muslims um, that are condemning this. So I think it would be fair for us to mention that as well. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's important to mention. And I also wanted to say yeah, that, like, yes, this is old news, but we have to cover it because we were off for a week because of going to the conference. And so like we yeah. still had to do our own coverage of this and it was kind of to our benefit because I was waiting for more information to come out about the motive. Unfortunately, not that much more has come forward in terms of specifics, but this report by vice that cited different middle Eastern and European security officials and diplomats was extremely interesting to me because they were saying that there's some evidence, you know, anonymous sources, who knows, who knows, that he was in communication with people in the Quds Force and that the security officials were saying that this has all the all the marks of a quote-unquote guided attack where people 
indirectly direct their attention towards a target, you know, mm. kind of indirectly inform them of how to go about doing this kind of thing, but not explicitly giving instructions, you know, enough to kind of have plausible deniability, blah, blah, blah. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, I, but again, like Dia saying in the live chat, that's not verified yet, but that's some of the better information that we can find so far. And that he has given statements that the, the attacker has given statements that support Khomeini. Um, okay, but, but here's, that, the thing, even, here's the thing. Even if that is proved, I don't know how big of a deal that is, okay? Because the Quds Force or the IRGC is a ton of people, okay? Yeah. And they are active on social media, right? So, and they have a lot of, like, they have people, a lot of opinions, right? And they're just, like, talking about these things on social media and on Clubhouse especially, right? And they may be suggesting things to each other, and some of them will be influenced by each other. I mean, it could be... I mean, I I am in touch with people from God's Forest. <laughs> like it was, I mean, you, well, because they, I mean, they come and debate you on Clubhouse, right? I mean, they're they're in our rooms on a Persian show in the Clubhouse. Like I'm pretty sure they're there, right? I'm pretty sure I talked to some of them, right? But like, what, how? What are the when you're saying you're in contact with them? Um, I mean, everyone's influencing each other's opinion. Like, is like just being in, in touch with somebody from God's Force that doesn't necessarily mean it could, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there were higher ups within the God's Force that made this intentional yeah. attempt to make something like this happen. I mean, like, I have friends who were conscripted into the IRGC. Like yeah, I talked to them, go. but they didn't yeah. have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I don't know. That's too, too, uh... But anyway, I want to show you yeah, go on. Go ahead. I want to show you one reaction. Iranian newspaper. Yes, this is important. Yeah, so this is the Iranian one Iranian newspaper, uh, Iranian newspaper called Jama Jam, which is published by uh, the Islamic Republic's broadcasting official national broadcasting, like the the radio newspaper, the radio and TV. Um, so this is the picture that they had under cover. And it said under it, it says Cheshme Shaitan Kurshot, which means the eye of the devil has been blinded. Oh my gosh! So this is what they, this is what they had under under cover. This is what like under celebrating this. It, well, it's kind of uh, I don't know. To me, I don't that this doesn't get a bad big reaction out of me because I've seen what they post and how they illustrate jewish people so i'm like oh this is nothing in comparison <laughs> i do find it kind of ironic though if he does lose an eye then people are going to start saying that he's the jaw yeah but the jaw has one eye like yeah but that's proof. Just, okay. it's proof that he is the antichrist <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't know if they would okay so I, who would do that like first of all the Iranian regime doesn't want to celebrate this, okay? So they let, they want to kind of celebrate it and they don't want to celebrate it, okay? But this is because state media. What are you talking about? That's what I'm saying. Oh. They use their media as kind of like a few degrees of separation from the official statement from, like, it's not like a official government representative coming out and saying like, yay, we did it, people, right? Like, it's not like that, right? So they want 
they have this is they use some of their newspapers especially Kehan newspaper for people mm. to know what the kind of the position of the regime is without them officially say it right because they want to be able to say it without actually take it like saying it so much that it has an international cost to for them so like so it's plausible deniability that's what it is like yeah this is just our newspapers it's not us saying so like the international community cannot come and say like oh my god look at what Khamenei or like the president is saying right so it's kind of like that um that's a pretty sorry yeah. excuse. One thing that I thought was very interesting, because this is something you talk about a lot, Armin, but I haven't seen a lot of other sources talking about. So this is, I'm, I want to read just a slight chunk from um, uh, this article in Vice. So this is a quote, quote, there seems to be a process where an individual members of various agencies plan and activate their own operations, like the recent Bolton thing, where Iranian guys were offered money to hitman acting like John Wick is a real thing, the official said, referencing the indictment unsealed last week that accused a member of the Quds Force of attempting to pay $300,000 to assassins he believed worked for a Mexican drug cartel to target former national security advisor John Bolton. So this is what you talk about all the time is that there are kind of rogue people within different mm. agencies that seem to be going off and doing their own thing for ideological reasons. And then yeah. this may not be entirely representative of the state apparatus itself. And I was like, oh, my yes. God, Armin talks about this all the time. And finally, there's someone else who's like piecing this together. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah. So thank you for confirming my analysis. Like you just come to just come to our channel. <laughs> Um, no, but it just it it does seem like that. Um, this will be costly to them. Like it's not. I, I have to also mention, like within the Iranian um, pro regime people, there uh, there's a huge conspiracy if, if made up, like a stupid conspiracy, but it's telling that this is a conspiracy. That this is the Americans have done this. The Americans oh, yeah. are doing the the Americans are doing this to Salman Rushdie. Because they don't want the JCPOA deal to go through. Like th this is an inconvenient time for the Iranians for something like this to happen. There's also another conspiracy that the Iranian regime is doing this and making it on purpose fail. Okay, because they want to show the American regime that what they will have to deal with if they are not negotiating with the Iranian regime. But they also don't want to pay the cost of being successful at taking out Messi Alinejad or taking out Salman Rushdie or taking out uh, John Bolton. Okay, they want to do these really um, amateur attempt and fail at um, take carrying out these assassinations, like hiring people mm. that they are almost sure are not going to be able to do it, just so that it's like a warning. Because I don't know if you know this, Susanna, United States. <laughs> In the JCPOA deal, one of the one of the things that United States was asking for Iran to guarantee was not to target Americans, American civilians. Okay, what? <laughs> Come on. what? I'm walking away. This is bullshit. This is what we have to ask for. Are you fucking kidding yeah. me? It gets worse. It gets worse. Come back. Come back. Why are we negotiating with these freaking terrorists? Oh my gosh. Uh, okay. Well. Okay. I'm we bracing to, myself yeah. for the second part. Yeah, no okay, what's yeah, part you two? You kind of have to. You kind of have to. Um, the part two is that Iran said no. We can't guarantee that. 
Oh no! Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh, you come back, come back. God damn, the bar is so low. <laughs> yeah, and the deal is still going through with Iran not guaranteeing that. So technically, the GCPOA deal—it seems like it's going to be signed. I don't know. I keep—we're not a roller coaster with this deal. If it Just gets signed. <laughs> If it gets signed, it's going to get signed with Iran saying, officially saying that we don't guarantee not targeting your civilians. Yeah. Uh, it's not... <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's what happened. You just broke me. Like, we're going to move on and cover other stories, but inside I cannot deal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, okay, I do want to mention that this whole thing, like, I want to criticize my camp, people on my camp, okay? Okay, go for it. Because a lot of people are saying, like, oh, my God, look at Islam, look at Islam, look at Islam, okay? And Islam is horrible. I agree with you, okay? But I'm not, this is not really as, this action, neither the fatwa or this action is Islamic. I mean, I know, like, okay, so maybe... You know, maybe I'm just a Muslim who's doing taqiyah and I'm just acting like I'm a critic of Islam, but I'm actually like kind of trying to secretly defend Islam. Okay. Uh, that could maybe, be maybe. One, that one theory. But maybe I'm just being objective here. Okay. As bad as Islam, as bad as Islam is, this is, you can't just go willy nilly um, take out people without like, a, without like a, a judge or something. You know what I mean? I mean, technically, there are some marjas that says whoever has blasphemes uh, the prophet, they have left Islam. And if they have left Islam, you could kind of do what you will without without a, without a, without a ghazi, without like a judge or something. But that's like not a accepted position. You know, almost like... So what you're accepted... saying is that this would not stand in an Islamic court of law? No, I mean, maybe he would be executed, okay, based on Islam. I mean, I mean, he would, right? But there needs to be a hearing. There needs to be a judge. You know, there needs to be, I mean, also, you're like, okay, then, the, but, but we had a fatwa, okay? First of all, you had a fatwa by Khomeini, I mean, for Sunnis, you don't even have a goddamn marja, so you can't just be like, oh, yeah, marja, like you don't have a marja, so there's no such a thing. It was for Sunni, so you can't just be like, well, Khomeini said it's okay, so I'm gonna go do it. So that takes out all of the this becoming legitimate for any Sunnis. So it remains the Shias, and only the Shias that had Khomeini as a marja. Okay, but even among the Shias that had Khomeini as a marja, this is like not a not a legitimate fatwa. You're issuing a fatwa on non-Islamic land for for something that happens happening in non-Islamic land. Like this is not okay. This is not uh, this is not uh, Islamic. Okay. So, anyways, I <laughs> this just is think... not okay. Yeah, there's a lot about this that is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean this is not okay even by Islamic standards. No, I know, standards. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a very good point. Um, oh, I had a thought that just immediately escaped my mind. Well, regardless, obviously, we are wishing Salman Rushdie a very quick and speedy recovery. Um, 
D is saying that there was even an American professor who blamed the attack on Mossad. She sent me an article about this that blew my mind. And it seemed like kind of similar to your theory where it's like, obviously Israel does not want the U.S. to engage with Iran on this nuclear issue. And so you're like maybe trying to mess up the nuclear talks. Um, and uh, do you want me to read this comment? Oh, yes. Can you read this comment? So Shriyash is saying, in a way, it was more about saving face than Islam. It was more about Khomeini remaining relevant and remaining the... have keeping up this with this fantasy that he's the leader of the Islamic world. Okay, so this was this whole anti-Rushdi movement was picking up without him riding that wave. And he's like, this cannot happen without me. <laughs> I am now the leader. I am the Pope of the Islamic world. At that time, it seemed like he was going for that. Okay. And he was like, okay, this is happening because I made a fatwa on it. Okay. And people were like, so he was just riding a wave. He wanted to become relevant. He, he wanted to be, be just be relevant. So that was it. A lot of some people also suggest that, I don't know, uh, this, this might, mm, this is, uh, this is another conspiracy. This third story in the book, it's about the first story about in the book is the, the first dream sequence in the book is about Muhammad and the satanic verses. The third one, there are three dream sequences in the book, is about uh, a, a, 20, a 20th century radical imam, which people understand to be Khomeini. So some people think it might have been personal. I don't think so. I think it was more about him thinking that this is like he needed to take advantage of this situation to be on the news. Mm -hmm. It was kind of uh, like Trump. He wanted to just be on the news, whatever ah. whatever price necessary. <laughs> so yeah. there's some. You've been getting some interesting pushback in the live chat from oh, Omar see, yeah. on Facebook. Omar is saying, "Coming from a Muslim background, I can assure you that the vast majority is happy to see Rushdie attacked, even if they show otherwise for political correctness. Even though most of them have no idea what the book says." A lot of hate has been accumulated over 30 years over this. Maybe the only people who are genuinely not happy about it are highly educated individuals, which represent a very tiny percentage of the 1.6 billion Muslims. Because you started um, this out saying, you know, oh, you know, we've seen a lot of people celebrating this, but that's not representative, blah, blah, blah. He's basically saying, okay, if that's the case, it's only, the pushback is only representative of a tiny percentage. Okay, I mean... The 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 evidence for this is you coming from a Muslim background, because I come from a Muslim background as well, and I think not, I'm I'm not saying what you're saying is wrong, I just I'm just saying that coming from a Muslim background is not really good in backing up your claim. Okay, maybe you're right, but I'm just saying you you need like you need to provide if you want to say what you're saying is true. You're like based on this poll. Uh, done by this, uh, you know, organization, a very legitimate authoritative organization that does polling very well, right, institution, I could tell you that this is the majority view, okay? What I can tell you is that I have seen many, 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 many Muslims celebrating it, but I have also seen many Muslims condemning it. Which one is the most? I don't know. Maybe you're right. Okay, I, I would actually... If I was going with my intuition, which is not a good source, okay, I would say you're probably right. The majority is in 
kind of okay i was let me let me correct if i was going by my intuitions okay which is not at all a reliable source of information i would say a minority would be like really really happy like not like just like saying they're happy for saving face like they're just jizzing their pants okay that's a minority okay there's <laughs> you're such a way with there's, words <laughs> there's an, another group of people who like what's my duty to be you know it's obviously this was a bad man and i mean they're not like really happy but they think like we should be happy because this is this cat man deserved it so as a, as a good muslim they think like they have to believe that okay um and then we have a whole bunch of other muslims who say don't want to celebrate it but they also don't want to condemn it they're like well it's a bad thing but the person responsible for it is himself okay so it's unfortunate but he's he's at fault so that's another group okay and then another group is like okay this was a bad man but this was not the right way to do it we condemn this action okay so this is a whole spectrum of different muslims and then we have a really tiny minority of Muslims, which I don't even know who uh, would say that this he's not even a bad man, okay? But that's a very, very, very small fringe, okay? This is my intuition that this is a spectrum. Um, again, but we don't have access to data. So don't, I'm just acknowledging that they all exist, right? So what I'm saying is that critics of Islam are pretending like the ones that don't, uh, uh, the ones that condemn this do not even exist. Like they're not, I mean, we have like Dr. Shabir Ali. He's a he's a major representative, right? Of mm -hmm. this, right? He condemned it. He oh, condemned but he's it. deviant. I know, but like he represents like a very he's a very popular scholar. And mm -hmm. if you look at the comment section, there's a whole bunch of Muslims thanking him for coming out and condemning it, right? So I don't know, like they exist. I, I didn't say they're big. I didn't. I didn't say they're small. They're big. I just say they're out there. Okay, and it's important for people to know that they they're out there. Um, like, oh, what else? Me, the general taste was all for it. Even you know when people say trust me, just trust me. Just trust me. That's when you should trust people the least. Okay, because people only say trust me when you have well, they, not all, not only. People usually say, trust me, when they, when they don't have much to back it up. When they say, just trust me. Like, I'm sorry, Amar. I'm not going to trust you. Who are you even? Why should I trust you? <laughs> okay. okay, okay. I don't know you. Um, I don't know you. Trust you. I just love this comment from Captain Nadar. Keeping up with the Khomeini's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, in honor and in solidarity with Salman Rushdie, today I wore my vintage... The Ayatollah Khomeini sucks shirt. Yeah. Just to remind everyone, even in death, he still sucks. This is this. You got this shirt like at what? Like when was this shirt made? Like you didn't get it, but like when was this shirt made? So this is from 1979. Guys, this shirt was made in 1979, the year of the Islamic Revolution in Iran. This shirt, I don't know. I don't even know why you're wearing it. I think you should like take it off and only for special stuff. occasions like this. <laughs> I mean, you know, like this, like don't damage that thing. That thing is very special. Anyways, we should move on. Um, oh here, Xboson is saying exactly, Armin. I know this guy who says trust me all the effing time, not knowing what he talks about. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I thought you were. 
confirms up here. All right, good, good. So we should move on. We have been spending time on this. Yes. Okay, before we pull up the next news, Armin, do not scroll down. There is a graphic image that I'm worried about for YouTube. Oh, no. So take a look before you pull it up, and then you know. Oh, my God. That's horrible. Okay, thank you for telling me. Okay, I just wanted to make sure we say that beforehand. Okay. I don't even need to ask if this is uh, clappable. No, 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 no. We do not need to ask. This is not clappable. Okay, okay. Next news. Okay. Next news. Nine-year-old untouchable boy beaten to death by upper caste teacher. Really quickly before we dive into this news, I want to say that we're going to be getting into both sides of the story, okay? Because there's a lot that's under contention. And I also want to say that we use the phrase untouchable here. I know it's not politically correct, but only because more people outside of India will actually know what it means. Like people don't know what Dalit means. So just for the title, that's what we use. Anyways, um, on July 20th in the district of Jalore, Rajasthan, Indra uh, Meghwal, a Dalit or lower caste student studying in the third grade, was beaten severely by an upper caste school teacher. Allegedly, the cause of the beating was that Indra had drunk from a pot of water that belonged to the upper caste teacher, thereby defiling it. On August 13th, after weeks of seeking medical treatment in different hospitals, the boy succumbed to his injuries. The victim's parents said the boy had severe wounds on his eye and was bleeding from an ear. He couldn't couldn't seem to move one side of his body. The perpetrator, 40-year-old Chail Singh, was soon arrested after the boy's death and charged with murder. Indra's father noted that the child didn't know that the pot he drank from was only meant for his upper caste teacher. The victim's family also claimed that the state administration had forcefully conducted a quick funeral for the child. The family also accused the local police of attacking them in an attempted cover-up. Numerous government officials have offered the resignations following the incident, denoting their shame and their inability to prevent such an atrocity. It is important to note that many locals from the community contest the narrative of the victim's family, with students reporting that in their years of attending the school, all students and staff drank from the same water tank. The Print India obtained access to the boy's previous medical records that showed he had suffered from a long-term ear infection for many years before the alleged assault. So this is an extremely important story to talk about because this happened during the same week that celebrated India's 75th year of independence, India's 75th birthday. And for many people, this was deeply symbolic of where India is at in its 75th year. Like, it it caused outrage across, outrage and just unbelievable shock across the country. Um, and in a way, because frankly, like, uh, atrocities against Dalits, like, happens constantly in India, like straight up constantly. But to see something this bad, this flagrant, this brutal, literally the same week of of this major milestone of celebrating the national project that is India, it brought such deep shame and remorse and just disgust for so many people. And I think 
it really started a national conversation about like cast consciousness again for many people. Um, so there's, this was a major, major story and there has continued to be so much fallout from this story that I don't even think we can cover it all today. Um, like Satya is saying, this was a new low, even for India standards. And yeah, Shakespeare brought up something exactly what I wanted to say. He said, by the way, almost 100 years ago, Ambedkar did, um, I know I'm going to say this wrong, Satyagar, to help people drink water, and we are still here. So when I first saw this, I straight up saw red, I'm going to be honest. And I was like, did Ambedkar fight for the water rights of millions for nothing, literally almost exactly 100 years ago? Like it, in it just. It, I think it's caused a lot of people to reflect on how entrenched casteism is within Indian society and how brutal it can be. Because a lot of times it's just frankly ignored and not talked about at all by mainstream media, um, and it's it's caused, yeah. I, I'm going to make a comparison and I, I don't think it's entirely accurate, but this is kind of how I was thinking about it today. In the same way that the murder of George Floyd caused America to have a renewed conversation with itself about like the legacy of anti-black racism and police brutality within like my country, I've seen kind of a renewed push for a national conversation again in India that I think is very interesting and very needed. Um, and so this was extremely, extremely important to talk about. Um, Armin, what was your initial reaction? Well, I scrolled down. So I, I saw something that we can't show here on live. And this boy, like, if you guys see the pictures, he suffered a lot. Like, this is disgusting. What was that? Oh, I've seen the like videos. It's horrible. You've seen the videos? Why of him just like in his hospital bed, like nonverbal. Oh my god, it's f horrific. Okay, well, what's that? I mean, I, I I didn't understand. Like you said, there's because I was trying to highlight relative comments in live chat as well. What's the alternative narrative here? Okay, so there's a lot of things that are contested now about this story and. I'm just bringing this up for the sake of being transparent and wait, can you actually star a lot of these comments? Cause I want to dive into them instead of just having, um, Oh, I didn't know which one's just star. Okay. Okay. The juicy ones that you're highlighting, of course. Um, <laughs> so, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to highlight as much as possible, but yeah, go ahead. Um, so I have a friend who often sends me a lot of good stories from India and I believe he's like kind of a more left-leaning person like me. And what I appreciate is that we're not the kind of lefties that are just going to run with a narrative just because like I really try to look at things critically. And he sent me this information. He said, hey, I saw that you're going to cover this story in the news. I want you to know about that there are some contentious narratives here. And so I watched this video that the Print India put out where they go to this village where this happened and actually do some investigation. And they're on the ground really digging into what's happening, like real reporting. And 
So there's a female journalist and she's interviewing children. She's interviewing people from the community. And they're saying, yeah, we have this like big water tank where we all drink from. I've, I've been at the school for 10 years. We've all the staff, all the students, we all drink from the same water tank. Like um, have other people who knew the teacher saying that I've known him for 40 years. We've never, he's never been accused of anti-caste discrimination before. And then the print India also pulled up the medical records of this boy who seems to have been treating, suffering from some kind of ear infection for a number of years, it seems. Now, I don't remember the medical details well enough to repeat them back accurately to you. So I'm not even going to attempt, but they dove into how certain injuries that he had that were seen in this video in particular could be caused by advanced stages of this ear infection. And um, that the, according to a different version of the story, it was this boy and another classmate were arguing over like a coloring book and the teacher reprimanded them and slapped them both. So they were slapped, but according to that other boy, not hard enough to cause this level of injury. And of the other people in the village or in the community have put out a statement basically rejecting the family's claims. Now, there are a lot of people who are saying, like, yeah, like what Forever Stormy is saying. Basically, alternative narratives are usually cover-ups by upper caste, but we should still discuss it to make sure that we aren't getting duped. Exactly. So there is a part of me that is still skeptical like because everyone has an interest well, in making I still don't, this not seem like this is a caste based issue. i still don't understand the alternative narrative how did why was this kid, uh, kid beaten to death so like in in the alternative narrative he was not i mean we know he was slapped but he already had a severe ear infection that had basically been untreated or poorly treated and not cured for years Wait, and then he basically the... died of an advanced ear infection this okay. I'm I'm scrolling down again. This kid has his face swollen. His eye is swollen. This is not just an ear infection. No. So based on what I was, the, what the print India reported, and I'm no doctor, so I cannot accurately repeat this back to you. But they're they're like absent abscesses that can happen, basically in the area, like because your ears and mouth and nose are all connected, right? So in those areas behind there, it can cause these pustules basically mm. from the infection to come forward and make your eye bulge out and all this stuff. So, and there are some medical records that point more in that direction. Now the family is all contesting this. They say that's not true. He didn't have an ear infection, all of these things. It's really hard to know what to believe. And this is all important to talk about. Let me want to stress this regardless. This is extremely important to talk about because this teacher is being tried under the Schedule Act, Scheduled Cast and Scheduled Tribes Atrocities Act. For those who are not aware, this is an act within India that is basically an attempt to better enforce laws that um, prevent abuse of Dalits, Adivasis, tribal people, the lower castes. So, because you know, untouchability was officially outlawed and made unconstitutional in India, but throughout India's history, it has been incredibly difficult to actually enforce that. So the Scheduled Tribes and Scheduled Castes Act is an attempt to bolster the enforcement of these atrocities, but there is usually a multitude of barriers in actually getting the community and having the police recognize 
these incidents as atrocities. So it's all very complicated. But because that he has been charged or is facing charges under this act, the motive of what happened is extremely important. Because it's not good enough to say, oh, the perpetrator was upper caste, the victim was lower caste or Dalit. You have to say that the perpetrator did this because the victim was Dalit, which is a very important distinction. Do you follow? Mm. Yes. Okay. Um, I've started some comments. Uh, do you want to read them and respond to them? Yeah. Um, so Darko is saying, please tell me the teacher is going to get life in prison for this. Like I said, there was a lot that needs to be dissected, a lot more that needs to be established. We shall see. I don't know, actually know if um, the charges he faces, I don't know if they carry a sentence of life imprisonment. I don't know. Um, and Darko was saying, was he assaulted by the teacher or not is the only question worth asking. Yes. So he... Th this Wait, can you read that again? You got cut for a second. Your mic. Darko is asking, was he assaulted by the teacher or not is the only question worth asking. Actually, I, there, I think there are multiple questions worth asking. If he was assaulted by the teacher, was it because he was lower caste? Was it something else? That The motive is very important when being charged under this act. Um, uh Higgs Boson is saying, let's just hear alternative narratives, not silence them, just because I want to hear the nut jobs defending it. I, in, in this case, it is very difficult for me to tell what's going on here, frankly. And there's also the huge language barrier in me actually pursuing information about this. So it's hard for me to tell if the alternative explanations do have some legitimacy or if it is just further cast bias. It's, it's difficult to tell at this point. Um, Mogambo is saying there is an audio recording of the teacher accepting that he lost his cool and beat him and was apologizing. I haven't heard this audio, but beat him to what extent? Because there was the other boy who said that they both got slapped. So that is like a beating. That is an assault to the extent that one could die from their injuries. That's not fully established. Um, and uh, let's see. Yeah, Cosmic Heathen is saying they always do this. They burn the bodies hastily to destroy all the evidence and the state is involved in all of this. Again, this, this is all allegations from the family. Hmm. Well, doesn't the family have a control over when they burn the body? Like, they, can you just come like, oh, oopsie, we burned your, your kid fast, faster than um, you? Theoretically, but no, the state will come forward and the police will forcibly cremate bodies all the time. This happened multiple times, especially in the Hathras... <laughs> Uh, RAPE case that was infamous that happened a few years ago. Does it happen to everybody or just to like special cases like this? You know what I mean? Like, it happens you... most frequently in my anecdotal observation to victims that are lower caste mm. or young women. Okay. You better say we good, covered goodbye two really soon. big stories a few years ago where this was like gonna... consistently happening. Like, I don't know, when my mom died, like, we had so much time before they buried her, right? Like, imagine, like, okay, fast, 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 they're going to bury it, like, the police is coming, they're going to burn it, actually. So it's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of, imagine, you already the police will, they, the police will actually go take the body, burn it themselves before the investigation Amazing. is over. Wow, okay. Keep the family away from the body as they're cremating it, shut down 
and put the entire village under martial law, essentially prevent journalists from entering so that they can't investigate. No, oxymoron. We don't know. So oxymoron is saying that the state destroyed the body. I didn't know this. Definitely malice involved. No, we don't know. Like this is the allegation that they, the family is saying this, right? The family is saying that they, I mean, I mean, if you want to play the, the odds, like if you want to talk about the odds, like I would right now go with what the family is saying over what other people are saying. So, but you, again, you can never be sure about these things. Right? Yeah. It's really difficult because due to <laughs> just who I am as a person. And like, I of course want, it's my impulse to jump full force into this, but I still have to hold myself back to a certain extent, especially when talking to you guys as an audience and talking about things responsibly. Right. Mm. But I think it goes without saying that if the allegations of the family are true, like how we feel about it and our opinions about it, I feel like go without saying like this needs to be condemned in the strongest possible terms. And I think, I don't know, like I hope it causes some serious reflection, but more than reflection, it needs to cause actual change. And then since this happened, a lot of more reports out of Rajasthan of really bad castus abuses have continued to pile up and come out. A lot of the worst castus abuses I've heard of come out of Rajasthan. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, guys, this is, by the way, why our channel doesn't grow. Because in order for your channel to grow, you have to go full-on anti the, the group that your, that your audience wants for you to go after, right? So we're like, people are like, oh, yeah, like, F Islam, you know, these people are scary. And they want us to go 100% against them, right? And we're like, okay, Islam sucks. However, and then we have like these discussions here, like people are like, not that many people are into that. People want you to go all out. Then people are like, oh my God, they're going after Hindutva and Hinduism. And like, oh yay, like go after Hindutva, destroy casteism, everything is casteist. But then we like have cast like news reports that could be casteism. And we we're like, yeah, but maybe it's not. Like we don't know. We're uncertain. We're skeptical. And people are like, yeah, but I want you to like, I want you to go all out. I want you to go. I want to fight. I want to go against these people, especially because people are frustrated. And then we don't provide that here. And that's why I think that's one of the reasons why we're not as attractive to a lot of people. Like they, people want to hate on something, like maximally hate on something. Like no skepticism, no if or buts, uh, just go all out. So so subscribe. if you If you are one of the minority group of people who enjoy um some skepticism um but with when it comes to you know our, when it comes to news and activism then we support us or tell other people who might be interested in that that we that's what we do here right um i yeah. think i don't know i really don't know about what to say about the rest of the story it's so it's so bad it's so bad yeah. i think I don't know. In a way, it was kind of... I, I know that there were a lot of people who not only were just defending the teacher straight up on the base of his of his cast and no other reason, which is not good. And there were a lot of people even celebrating the death of this boy, which is horrific. Um, Wait, who's celebrating? I don't know. There were what people the celebrating the death of this boy. Wait, what? Yeah. Okay. 
Um, oh, the castus ooh. brain rot is real. No, nah, I mean, uh, wait, can you show that? Like, uh, what the hell? Do we have mm -hmm. examples? Okay. I don't, I mean, I don't have examples right now, but it can definitely be found. The defense of this is, yeah. Oh, okay. No, the defense of, oh, like, no, defense I, of. Yeah, there's also, hmm. like, celebration. It's oh, celebration. Thing. Okay, that's like that's like a level of evil that I can't even comprehend right now. And but there, but in some ways, there has been a lot of like unity around this from people across political spectrums in India. On the other hand, so uh, in in condemning this and being like, God damn, we need to do better. This is a freaking national embarrassment that we've been around for this long, and this is what we're dealing with. Hmm. By the way, Darko just uh, gifted five memberships. Thank you so much, Darko. Oh my gosh, Darko, thank you. That's very sweet. Thank you. So who, yeah. Um, yeah, thank you so much for the Darko. We do need the support. Um, I still I, okay, can't I, figure out how you gift memberships. <laughs> I'm as, By the way, with regards to what you're saying, I'm just going to be like assuming that that's just like a handful of people. Less, you can't count that's what you want to think because you're a good person no like i'm assuming that okay let's just be fair here i'm assuming that most ca even cast as people when they say when when they want to fight the story they will like say fake news not like yes that dalit like this dalit deserved it like anything like because he drank like the water like i would think like they would like no this didn't happen or something like that like, I'm assuming that's the vast majority of them. Like, that would be a disgusting. Like, those, the people, if anybody, guys, can you confirm, anybody from in, in the live chat from India, can you confirm that there are people who are, who would be, do, have you been exposed to anybody who would celebrate something like this? Let me see if in the live chat anybody can confirm that. Um, yeah. I don't know. Anyways, do you want to read any, any of the other live chats or should I get the next one? Um, Let's go to the next news. Okay. Let me actually, I, I just wanted to give, like, okay, so no, no man is saying no. Um, Shriyash is saying, here's a narrative I heard for the Hothros what? case. Oh, she's Very lying. infamous yeah. rape and cover up yeah. case that we talked about a few years ago. Basically, okay, the narrative so oh, she's lying. Okay, so Shaky Bay is saying at least they want to support. Yeah, I know there's a lot of support for the teacher. I just think like the support for the teacher comes in the form of like he's our cast and he didn't do this. Like there's a there's some form of tribalism. Like oh yeah, let's def go defend our upper fellow upper caste person. But or not if that he did it, it was justified. Really? Like are you serious? Like I I can't believe that that's actually a narrative. I think like if the upper caste want to defend the upper caste teacher, the defense would be he didn't do this. It wouldn't be like oh yeah he did it and it was justified. Like I don't I don't believe that that's actually a narrative. Like you know that I, there are people that still openly like support untouchability and advocate for it, right? I understand that, but killing like beating a boy to death, I don't I can't comprehend that being a thing. Um. Yeah, I, I just can't, like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so friendly Hindus are saying not celebrating, but yeah, like what Susanna said, some people even in Twitter support untouchability. Yes, that's that I can, that I know. Okay. Mm, 
Well, yeah, this is oxymoron saying there are radical Hindus who celebrated the 2002 RAPE uh, preparation. Uh, per- I've been thinking per- about covering that case. Yeah, okay. That was really important. That was okay. crazy. Okay, I'm just assuming that they are just like a fringe of a fringe or else. No, like- the, P- the, the BJP government of that local state, I think it was UP, released 11 men who were charged with gang rape a Muslim woman, they released them on a technicality and the local VHP was there to sh- cover them in garlands and marigolds at the, the VHP like headquarters. This mm-hmm. isn't... Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does, like, it was... Oh, Gujarat, of course, obviously. Yeah. Mm. It's crazy. Okay. Okay, yeah. All right. Okay. Um, let's move on to the, this um, from this discussing news. Is the next news any better, lighter? Okay. Yes. This next news is nothing but happiness, hilarity, joy. We I put that. it after this news for a reason because this is just funny and lighthearted. Okay. We need that. We need that. Whew. All right. Next news. Next news. Johnny Depp spotted at Muslim morning ritual. <laughs> A recent video of an Iranian man taking part in an Islamic morning procession in Tabriz received humorous responses from the Iranian and world media due to his striking resemblance with the famous actor Johnny Depp. Wait, can you make this full screen, Armin? Please. Um, In the video, the uncanny doppelganger is seen raising sticks as he participates in a Muslim religious ceremony called Mishak a depiction of war preparations generally executed to pay tribute to the Battle of Karbla. Um, Many fans of the famed American actor wondered if he had converted to the Shia sect of Islam. This incident has sparked many theories around the globe. Many speculated that Depp, exhausted from the lengthy and expensive legal battle (laughs) with his ex-wife Amber Heard, fled to Iran. (laughs) The mysterious man in question has been identified as Amin Sales, who works as a model. Some speculate that the success of his modeling career with local Iranian agencies might be due to his extreme resemblance to Depp. I, I think some people actually believe this. Like I saw some people were celebrating. Yeah, yeah. There were certain people who actually celebrated this. I, I wish when, I saved them. Wait, they're like, mashallah. <laughs> no, there was at least one mullah guy. I don't know, a religious person. I mean, I saw it like, and people were liking it. People were like, you know, Islam is winning. Like people thought, people genuinely thought that this is a real thing. That's that amazing. Depp... Wait, wait, if wait. you scroll down, we have more videos of him. Huh. Yes. Wait, it, it'll it'll show it in a second. Um, wait, wait, I need to translate this for you guys. Hold on, let me get the audio. Hold on, let me. Oh, okay. Reach, let me share. I this this. Cosmic even <laughs> has the funniest comment. He's saying maybe he was mourning for Amber's career. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen to this. Listen, this is actually very good. Let me know if you have the audio from this. You have yes. idea? Okay. Uh. She's saying, the girl is saying, look what Amber Heard has done to Johnny Depp. So, she, like, 
look at what she has done to him so that instead of Las, Ve Las Vegas, he is at a Hosseinia in Tehran. <laughs> Wait, can you make it bigger so we can see how much he actually looks like Johnny Depp? Okay. It is actually like a very striking resemblance. This is very small though. Yeah. He does! He does look like him, yeah. yeah. Wait, what is this saying? <laughs> this video is saying like, I'm... I I'm pretty sure that newspapers tomorrow, like, are gonna say, like, look how uh, you know the a celebrity is like coming to Hosseinia to celebrate, to <laughs> to basically to show respect to Imam Hussein. Of course. Uh, it's just making fun of. These are very Iranian jokes. It's like it doesn't very translate well to English. <laughs> translate this i don't know i think like she's saying like i I'm, i hope like because you do like nazria and religious things like if you do this in based on shia islam you get favors done for you for uh, the imams will go and speak to god on your behalf and do things for you and she said like i'm hoping that your your religious things that you're doing is accepted and you get a new better amber hurts <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it's like <laughs> anyways but like i wish i saved the people who actually thought that this is real like people are like look we're winning we're winning like even people even american celebrities are now recognizing the the love of hussein you know the you know the gift of hussein and everything like that so well, apparently we have some people in our live chat because higgs boson is saying i believe this after seeing the thumbnail <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was wrong. I thought it was the real thing too. <laughs> okay, so so I'm not I'm not I'm not I thought like maybe I'm being naive to think like these people are serious. Well no, I'm not naive. So the people actually believe this. <laughs> okay. No, I, I purposefully made the title Johnny Depp in quotations for people to be like, wait a second, what? <laughs> <laughs> I love this comment from Captain Nadar. Come on, even non-Muslims got duped by this at first. Cut our slack for our, for our Shia brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially because they would love for this to be true. They would love for this to be true. You have to understand, this is like, like recognizing Hussein and like doing this for Hussein is uh, more important than being like being a Muslim, you know what I mean, for a lot of these oh Shias. Like even if he doesn't turn to Islam, but he just does this to respect Hussein, a lot of a lot of Shias would like prefer that over you actually recognizing Allah and Muhammad. Oh my god! I mean, god. they wouldn't would, say would it like that. Would this be more important than going on Hajj? Oh yeah, oh yeah, for okay. sure. They wouldn't tell yeah. you that, but for sure. Like, yeah. okay, when I was a kid in Iran, they didn't bring Zamzam water like these only Sunni kids talk about. Okay, they brought the this dust from Karbala. Okay, not the water from Zamzam. I've never heard of anybody like. Zamzam water being that special to anybody, okay? People want to go to Karbala, okay? Not, I mean, they go to Hajj because they have to. It's mandatory. Like, if you can, you go at some point. But Karbala, that's where the special, that's where the, that's when you feel the love of Hussein. Yeah, Mecca is where you feel the love of Allah. You know, Karbala is where you feel the love of Hussein. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's more special.
That's yeah. right. Um, that's, that's like, actually, I can tell, I, I get this, I understand why that's more special. It's more human. Like, Allah is just this little mystical creature, like, this, like, you can't relate. Hussein has a story. He died, he cried, he did all those things. Allah doesn't cry. Who gives it? You know, it doesn't, it, you can't relate to that thing. Yeah. Oh my God. Captain Nadar is saying, Inshallah, Johnny will get better Amber Herds in Jahannam. Why Jahannam? Doesn't... Why would you say he goes to hell? It should be Jannah. Jannah, not Jahannam. Oh, no, actually, no, he's right. He's going to go to Jahannam. I, <laughs> I mean, he's not. Well, he, according to Islam, he will go to Jahannam, and then his punishment might be surrounded by being by Amber Herds. So actually, maybe no, Captain no, no. Nadar he's is still... right. No, no, he's. I think what Captain Nader is saying, he, he's obviously as a non-Muslim, he's still going to go to hell. But mm -hmm. because of what he did, at least he will get an Amber Hertz, a better a version. Better Amber Heard. Amber okay. Hertz, just to make the pain a little bit more tolerable. I think yeah. that's what he's saying. Yeah. Silva Kumara saying, "What are the Dawa boys' reactions to this? They must be beating the, their chests." I haven't seen anything because this the is Dawa a Shia boys thing. are so guys. The Dawa boys are so neat. This is Shia. This is like okay. The Dawa. This is Kuf. According to the Dawa boys, this is shirk. Okay, you think they celebrate? You think the Dawa boys celebrate this? This is this is worse than atheism. Okay, <laughs> like true. No, I'm serious. What these people are doing, okay? This is worse, according to Sunni school of Islam. This is worse than anything you could do. There's nothing worse than this. This is shirk. Okay, this is Shia. The devil boys will not be celebrating this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This so whole story made me smile so much. Oh my god. <laughs> any uh, any other last thoughts on this? Uh, before I move to the last news or no, next no, I, news, I just um, just want to mention also that this was like um, big, you know, trending on Iranian social media for a while. I was People talking to having... some of my Iranian friends about this. They're like, "How the hell did you find out about this?" I was like, "Oh, I have my ways," because they know I can't read <laughs> Farsi. <laughs> on on like uh, English news that cover Iranian news in English language, like it was number one trending for days. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so funny. I wonder how religious this guy actually is. Like, what if he's not that religious, but he knows because of for his modeling career? Because, like, he his modeling career is they like likely because of his appearance. Oh, he actually right? is trying. To, wait a minute, I didn't know this. He's actually trying to look like Johnny Depp. Like that's on purpose. He is a model. And it's okay, but is he, he definitely is he, utilizes the fact that he looks like freaking Johnny Depp to his benefit. So I wonder, like, if he was using, if he was going out to do the rituals as a way to get more exposure, or if he, mm. or, or maybe is he actually religious? I don't know. Just a thought. Okay, let me just tell you a lot of people that go to these ceremonies, they're not very religious. Mm -hmm. It's like it's, it's kind of the thing to do. Like what? How? Like what? Do you, why? Why not? Like you go and a lot of boys go to these ceremonies for the girls, and the girls go there to mm. hunt boys. Mm. I've yeah. seen a cartoon, an Iranian cartoon of a, like a big hunky Iranian dude, like in a black T-shirt, like whipping himself in chains, like going like yeah, and all the girls are standing in the car, and they're like, ah, <laughs> it's good. I mean, yeah, and it is a thing. This is a real thing, and there are like there are these heavy things that not that many people could lift. Um, and a lot of boys are very interested in like lifting that just to show to the girls how strong they are. 
it's, it's, it is it is used as a place to for boys and girls to meet each other. Like this religious ceremony is actually used for the exact opposite. Wait, but why uh, why do they be lifting heavy things? What is that supposed to represent? First, I'll, I'll tell you. But Silva just gifted um, one atheist republic membership to somebody. Thank you so so much, Silva Kumar. That's amazing, guys. Oh, our membership you. is so growing. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, I think if I remember correctly, I don't remember these things. In Karbala during the war, uh, there was this person that's supposed to hold this banner, the war banner, and you're not supposed to let that fall. Okay, yeah. you just like your entire duty is not to let that fall. Okay, so I think it started with that one person like holding that. Okay, but like over the years they kept on adding to it and to it, so it was becoming more and more difficult. So you needed like fifty people to hold it. Like it keeps on growing and growing and growing, and it becomes like very hard. To, like it, it started with just a banner, and then it I, I forgot what the name of this thing is, right? But it's really heavy, and people want to demonstrate how loyal they are to Hussein by not letting this thing fall. And apparently, through the strength make... of Hussein, I can lift this above my head. <laughs> <laughs> no, like you're showing that. Okay, so I think the message is that Hussein banner, Hussein's banner, has still not fallen to this day. That's what. The oh my is. God, mashallah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my. All right. Gosh. Wait, even Hindus fought for Hussein in Karbala? I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know if this is real. Mm. All right. Thank you so much, Silva. Now, how do I gift it to a viewer? You did gift it to a viewer. I don't know who got it, but somebody got it. Yeah, Anyways. I don't know how this works. Yeah, but no, but it, it means I think how it works is that you give you 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 are a member, but now you can make other people who are viewers who are watching right now become members by just like. Um... By the way, if you are a YouTube member, you get to come live on air and talk to uh, me during the Q and A. So when we have Q and As, I post a link, and then you get to come up and you can talk to me. Uh, and live you also on air, get but... access to our emojis, like Suha is using here, except you can't see them you on StreamYard. But you get very cute emojis of me and Armin and Kalima. I love them so much. Um, so let's go to the next news. And unfortunately, we cannot clap. Okay. Okay. Next news. Next news. Suspected Islamists assassinate Kashmiri Hindu as killings escalate. On August 16th, militants fired at two civilians, both members of the minority Kashmiri Hindu community, known as Pandits, in uh, Chotipura village of the uh, Shopian district in the contentious Jammu and Kashmir region. The two victims, Pintu Kumar and Sunil Kumar, were brothers. They were trimming overgrown willow trees with assistance from three from three local uh when th from three locals, when two masked assailants reportedly told the hired hands to leave the, the field and then shot the brothers. Pintu was severely injured and survived. However, Sunil died from his injuries. As of this writing, no arrests have been made. The Lieutenant Governor of Jammu and Kashmir stated via Twitter, quote, pained beyond words uh, on the despicable terror attack on civilians in Shopian. Terrorists responsible for this barbaric act will not be spared. This is the latest incident in a series of targeted killings that have rocked the Kashmir region over the past several months, reigniting painful memories of the ethnic cleansing of Hindus from the area by radical Islamists in the 1990s. 
After a spate of targeted shootings of Hindus in May and June that took the lives of a bank manager, a brick worker, and a school teacher, among others, many protests were staged. These organized street protests demanded that the government relocate Hindu minorities to safer areas. India claims that the Pakistani government incites these acts of terrorism. Pakistan, however, denies the allegations. So I wanted to really talk about this because I have been following over the past few months some of the reportings of the murders of Hindus that have been happening in Kashmir. And I actually do find it very important to talk about the persecutions of Hindus on this channel. But I didn't want to cover it at the time because, frankly, I didn't know that much about the whole Kashmir conflict. And I, I wanted to wait until I understood more about it, the broader story of it, before going into this. So, And then, very recently, this most recent targeted killing happened. So I wanted to take this as an opportunity to talk about this like resurgence of violence that's been happening in Kashmir. Because, like I said, it's really important to cover this. Um, I, well, before I go further, Armin, what are your thoughts? Um, some people in the live chat are saying, I'll, I'll expose it and saying Al Jazeera is not covering this. And I, I, I think they must, but so I was just looking for that. Um, yeah, but it does seem like there's not like, I haven't seen this on my feed. Um, so it doesn't seem like it's getting that much of a coverage. Why do you think that? Because I think like if it's. I mean, I do see that um, when the other way around is getting coverage. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not sure why this is not getting covered. Do you feel that that's the other side is getting more coverage like, and this gets ignored by the media? It depends on which media. Al Jazeera, I don't think they cover this. Al Jazeera focuses a lot on the, um, the abuses of India's counterinsurgency effort, um, their crackdown on journalists. Um, their uh, security measures that go too far, abuses by the Indian government, et cetera, et cetera. And all those so things are- So it's very one-sided. Yes. All those things are really important to talk about. And those are problems I have with like this general conflict, right? Like I share those concerns, but I haven't seen Al Jazeera, for example, covering the resurgence and targeted killings mm -hmm. recently. Like the, most of the information I got about this was from- um, like Associated Press, I think, and other sources. And, well, and then also where our writers pulled their sources from. Um, can can some people check? Because I'm trying to find any uh, Al Jazeera coverage of this. I can't seem to find it right now. But if you guys let me know in the live chat if this is true. But go on, yeah. Okay, so I, I think that this does deserve serious coverage because here's the problem. Like, a lot of people want to act like <laughs> the Kashmir problem doesn't have like an actual radical Islamist angle to it. It does. And I think that denialism is a severe disservice to everyone involved. Everyone. Kashmiris, whether you're Pandits or Muslims, to the entire nation of India, frankly. Um, I think um, it's oxymoron is saying, I think no international platform covered this until recently, including BBC and NY Times, I, though after the movie, meaning the Kashmir files, that's changing. I don't think that's true. I saw coverage of this before then. Um, Sheikh B is saying this will not be covered by India media as well because Modi will be targeted and his image of savior of Kashmiri pundits will be damaged. 
Ooh, that actually brings up a good point. So for those who are not aware, like this giant insurgency movement in Kashmir that kicked off in like 1989 and then really was under full force in the 1990s did cause, and I can't believe people don't identify it as such, I identify as a legitimate ethnic cleansing of Hindus from the region. And the fact that people try to whitewash it as otherwise actually enrages me. Um, and so that happened. And then the government had this scheme around 2010. Um, I might be wrong on the date, but I believe it was around 2010 where they were going to take a lot of the pundits that fled from Kashmir in the 90s and since then and relocate them back to Kashmir with... Um, use programs for jobs, housing, etc. So then with this spate of targeted t killings that happened recently, a lot of these relocated oh, I think I just froze. No, you're good. Oh wait, you're frozen. Okay, Susie. Well Susie is looking are you back, Susie? Oh, no. Like, no, you're here. Wait. You're saying oh no, I can't. I'm back. Yes, you're I'm back. back. Okay, okay. Just it, it froze for me for a second. So what was I saying? Okay, so they were relocated back, and now with this 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 run of targeted killings that's happened recently, the people who are relocated are protesting the government, basically saying you only relocated us for your own image, so you could make it look like things were under control. You could make it look like you had a handle on the situation, and you don't. And things are still dangerous for us, and we need to leave. Um, and so that's been quite significant because the the level of protests that we're seeing were like somewhat unprecedented. Um, and uh, I think it's 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 I don't know I don't it's if personally if I was if I was a Hindu there I'd be really scared. Higgs boson is saying they called the relocation a demographic change. Okay, I'm not. I think that's kind of unfair. Because the whole reason why they left was ethnic cleansing. That is demographic change. What? <laughs> like yeah, but, 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 okay. So I agree that that was demographic uh, engineering. Okay. But you don't, when the demographic engineering happened, you can't, and even if it was really wrong, you, you do not fix that with another demographic engineering. You just like, you have to deal with the new situation underground you know what i mean it's Wait, kind so of like Israel forced out of their homes and if the government says we're going to help you get back into your home suddenly that's not okay because if that's it, demographic engineering what if it's the same people it's okay but one generation okay. passes it's is now it's now your home i think what i mean i don't know maybe two generations like this is but like you think okay, israel so you think jewish people have a right to return to israel that is way further wait, than that wait jewish you mean palestinian no, the, uh, the, Jew the Jewish people have a right to return to Israel. Jewish people? Yeah, like a Jewish person, if you can prove your Jewish heritage, you can attain Israeli citizenship. Oh, okay. I said that made sense for the situation of Jewish people being under a threat, you know, after mm -hmm. World War I and World War II. That situation, this was a good solution for that at the time. Okay. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that this is a good solution for everything. At the time when Jewish people were safe nowhere around the world, okay, having a place where they could be safe made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Like it, it seemed like it, it was seemed like a good idea at the time. Okay, 
I don't think like I'm not in favor of you just being able to. But anyway, I don't think it was because they were going back home. I didn't give a crap about the fact that this was thousands of years ago. Jewish people lived there. Like that doesn't give ah, you a right. It, to they could have been availing could of have citizenship been, anywhere. It could have been world. anywhere okay. else. Like it could have been like it would actually. It would prefer. It would be better if it was somewhere. It probably else. would have been better. <laughs> yeah. Now with hindsight, it would have been better, much better if it was somewhere else. I mean, yeah, we don't know. Um, but yeah, no. But I'm just saying, like, if you, if you, if you are, if this is your home, and your grandparent took it by unjustifiably it's not it's the sin of the father it's now your home nobody should kick you out this is now your home do you know what i mean so i don't know i think you, i think you should have a right to relocate within the same area so what happened in world war ii in america is that the japanese were forcibly interned basically in concentration camps around the nation right and when the japanese were forcibly pulled out a lot of other people just moved into their houses. And then when World War II was over and the Japanese wanted to go back to their neighborhoods, there were people that had taken all of their property. And so yeah. what they did was basically they, they just moved to a neighborhood like immediately next to where they used to be. Okay, in some place same... in San Francisco. Okay, okay. So was it the same people or are we talking about one or two generation past? It was the same people? Uh, basically the same people. Okay, then yeah, you have to take your home back. Okay, if it's your, if it's the same goddamn people, somebody took your home, you have to take it back. Okay, I'm just saying, at a, a few generations down, then you need to figure out another solution. You can't kick people out of their home. But homes they don't. But either because, way, even a few generations down, wouldn't have legal claim over that property. I mean, they did not attain it legally. They do not have the legal rights to that property. Okay, the law is. Whose law are we talking about here? Okay, because I, I, if they go, the law is something that the government comes up with, so they could technically be legally owning that property. So we're talking about whether it's morally justifiable, not legally justifiable, because legally you could justify anything. Legally, mm -hmm. like who you know, you could justify I don't know genocides with laws. Like you just you just write a law so that genocide is legal, right? So you could, and we're talking about what laws to make. I'm just saying, like, if you have multiple generations of people living in a place, if their grandparents did something wrong to take that place, I don't think you could go and make these people homeless. Oh, so what do you think about the forced evictions of Palestinians in East Jerusalem that basically kicked off the war we saw last year? Yeah, I mean, okay, I think that's their home. I think that's the wrong. That's, I think that's wrong. I think there needs to be a better solution. I think if okay. there's, yeah, yeah. I, 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 this is, you know, I think like mm, the Palestinians who have been out of their homes for multiple generations, for example, right? They need to be compensated somehow. Okay. I just think the compensation doesn't necessarily have to be here's your land back. You know what I mean? Here's your land of your grandparents back. Even if they're I'm... legally entitled to that land? Well, they're not legally entitled to that land because the law is the laws of Israel. Which law are you talking about? No, so I, I, I meant just in theory. I'm talking in abstract now. So morally then, not legally, because the laws are made up. You could change the laws to – you could you, the law could be bad. The law could be good. You could make up the law so that it's more moral, 
right? The law could be a bad law and you could change it so that it has a better solution, right? So I'm talking it, morally, not legally. If there is a legal precedent that these people who two generations ago were forced out of their homes and they mm -hmm. still have, based on the laws that are on the books, a legal right to that property. Right. What should be done? I mean, if the law, if, if the law already has a remedy, then go with it. Okay. We're talking about a situation where the law is being written by the people uh, with biases. You know what I mean? Like the law. Okay. We're let's say you don't have a law and the law is in your hand to write it. I'm talking about what would be the best solution. Okay. If you have a legal precedent, that makes things a lot more complicated. But I'm saying if you had the choice to make the laws, what laws should you write so that everybody comes better off? Okay. You, your mm. grandparents lost this home and that you are suffering from it because there's multi-generational effect. I'm not saying that you should lose everything. Okay. Mm -hmm. Obviously you should be compensated. I'm just suggesting that the compensation doesn't necessarily have to come in the format of here's your land. Here's the, the, the lands of your ancestors back. Okay. Because there's now people living there that would be homeless and they live, this is their home now. And they didn't commit any of these crimes. It was their, like, this, it wasn't, they didn't do anything wrong. They didn't do this to you. Other people did. Okay. So if you need to be compensated, can we talk money, for example, here? And coming from the government, not for, the, not from those people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're getting at. God, it's so complicated. Oh, no. In general, what do you think about the status of Kashmir? I think they need to referendum ASAP. <laughs> I think they needed a referendum yesterday, like many years ago, right? I mean, it was, but I might be wrong about this. I think like, um, they, yeah, I, I mean, don't, people keep talking about what, what is best for them. I mean, the easiest solution is just to ask them. What do you think? Mm -hmm. I think, so, that, I mean, so there's part of me that is aligned with that just as I, you know, have a value for democracy and the democratic voice of people on the other hand. And I'm totally willing to change my mind about this because this is an issue I've just started to learn about in more depth and trying to pursue really unbiased sources and doing my research about this. But I'm going to be honest, like I don't really have, I don't have a sympathy for like the free Kashmir movement. I don't, that's not something I support. Why in the world would I want to support another Islamic Republic in the world? This started, and, and granted, here's the difference. I am aware that this started as a radical Islamist movement. And that is frankly something I can never support. Now, as the Indian government and Indian army has repeatedly failed to ameliorate the situation in any sort of conductive way, I understand that there are aspects of this movement that have completely changed and they're now also in reaction to the abuses by the state itself. So that's kind of a separate conversation and still something I'm unpacking. And, but in general, yeah, I'm, I think Kashmir should be part of India. Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, why would I it... want another Islamic state? Like, what? <laughs> but I understand hmm. that there's more to it than that. But especially watching what was coming out of Kashmir at the time, 
it's insane. And the fact that people deny how radical and dangerous and the jihad of it is crazy to me. But then on the other hand, as someone who deeply values human rights, I, I can recognize all the ways in which regular Kashmiris are abused and their rights are stripped away from them and their ability to report and express themselves freely is inhibited in a way that I can't stand by. So I don't know. I hope that makes my position somewhat clear. Like, I think, yeah. I mean, my position isn't entirely clear, but <laughs> I don't know. Armin, what do you think about that? Okay, so I mean it's complicated, and I think. But first of all, Vito visits in the live chat. So hey guys, Yay, Vito visits Vito. here. Yeah, like guys, Vito's here. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Okay. Also, Satya is losing his mind over what you're saying. <laughs> He's like, "Damn, Susie is with us. <laughs> all hail, Lady Susie." <laughs> then is like, "I'm. I think I'm dreaming." Okay, what, uh, Susie? You making <laughs> a hardcore uh, liberal? <laughs> <laughs> saying <laughs> no to free Kashmir. <laughs> no to free Kashmir. Okay, so I mean, I just historically, I there hasn't been a good. We haven't had a good recommend a, a good precedent for good record of what uh, we've seen. What happens when you decide what's best for people yourself? You know, when you do secular, you know anti-islamism for the top down so you're saying like if we let uh, if we let the kashmiris choose they might go with an islamic republic and you're saying that you know better for the kashmiri people that that's going to be um bad for them more than the, you know so maybe like keeping them in india is better for them than what they would choose themselves so you're making you're making you're going over you're making an anti-secular argument here right you are deciding no so, no 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 I'm not because I, I started <laughs> cosmic even to saying Susie is officially an Indian. Now I started <laughs> my statement with saying, I deeply value the democratic process and having a population, having that be available to them. Right. So I, I, there is a huge part of me that is values that more. My personal feelings are that, I'm afraid that things would move towards choosing an Islamic Republic. <laughs> so see what I mean? Okay. Like, no, no. So it's, it's yeah, not, so I'm not going have, against my value of democracy. I'm just like, God damn, I hope you don't choose that. <laughs> I mean, they might. Okay. You're saying, so I'm saying give the people the choice. Okay. But you're saying F that they might choose wrong. Keep them in India. That's basically what's happening here. I'm not saying F that. Okay. I'm not saying F so that. So why not I'm let saying, them then choose? Hope, like you should have that. I, I didn't probably say that they not going to choose. They, I'm just okay, scared they, about what they might choose. That's all. They, 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 they might choose Islamic Republic. What are you going to do now? Should we give them a referendum? I know. I don't. I mean, I don't like that. That just because I'm saying I don't like that does I'm not taking away their no. the, the fact that they should be able to choose. No, you might be okay, but you might That's be justified. No, no, like you think I'm attacking you with you. This is complicated. Okay, you might be justified to. You're like, I mean, I disagree with you, mm. but your position is not as. You know, you know, I don't think we have to be dogmatic about our support for democracy. Like, I support democracy, okay? But we have to keep reevaluating whether we're supporting it dogmatically or not, right? So if you're, like, questioning that, it's okay to question that. You're like, okay, these people might not know what they're getting themselves into. Maybe it would be better, maybe from a utilitarian perspective, as good as democracy is, maybe in this case it would be 
better if they don't get the referendum. I'm not saying that I'm not making that argument, but it's worth discussing these things. Oh, Susie's frozen. All right, let me respond to some of these people um, because. No, I can hear you. Wait, there were two oh. comments I wanted to highlight. Um, highlight. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Am I back? Yes, you're back. Okay, awesome. Um, this is an important comment from Mir Jalal. He's saying, uh, oh, I, I agree with Susie as a Kashmiri. Overall, we are better off with India given India becomes secular in practice. So saying, okay, if we, if India becomes, lives up to its secular standard, we're better off with India. Okay. Here's the thing though. You are a Kashmiri, but you are one Kashmiri. Okay. So we can't just like, we have to, the, the only way to hear <laughs> the voice of all Kashmiris is to get a referendum. That's the only way. The only way is to get, have a referendum. I don't understand. I don't understand why we shouldn't have a referendum. Like, why? Yeah, no. are, what's the arguments against referendum? Of course, but I wanted to show that because I think it's... you're getting cut again. Let me actually. Someone whose life is it... affected by this, we should actually like. Yeah. No, no, it's good that you highlighted that. But let me. You're getting cut, uh, Susie. So let me just uh, read a few other comments by oxymoron. And highlight this one. Tell me when you're back. Okay, Aksimura is saying if they deserve a referendum, so does American states that wished for slavery, so does Ireland. Okay, Aksimuran, you are I am questioning your critical thinking skills. Okay. Just because some things should be up for a referendum, that doesn't mean that everything should be up for a referendum. Okay, slavery is a basic human rights. That's not up for that's not up for uh, democratic um, voting or anything like that. Okay, that's a that's a principle. This is why we support republics, not pure demo, not um, absolute democracies. Okay, there are some limitations to the rule of the majority. We don't want uh, the tyranny of the majority. Okay, there are certain in liberal democracies. There are certain things that are not up for vote, including slavery. Okay, but I don't know what you mean by Ireland. If you mean um, re a referendum and then seceding, then yeah, that should be up for a referendum. Why not? Um, ref the referendum was promised to a different generation. Okay. And I, I, even if it wasn't promised at all, it makes sense for you to have a referendum on Kashmir, even if it was never promised at all. Okay, Susie is going to be back soon. Satya is saying, free Texas would have been democratic, but horrible. Um, horrible. Yeah. I mean, guys, we have precedent for this. Like we have Canada did a referendum on Quebec leaving. Um, UK did this with Scotland. So I don't know what you guys are. You're acting like this is like such a bizarre, like, oh, what about them? But it was like, what about like, uh, would it, you know, if, if we did a referendum in Kashmir, what about these other countries? Like, yeah, we support it in other places as well. If there is enough demand for it. Uh, James is saying, you guys deserve more views. This is the most interesting conversation I've observed in a while. Yeah, well, I hope we get Susie back because it's, it's interesting because we have Susie. AJ is saying there's no law about Allah. And what is this? Captain Nutter saying, this is like a strategy by... Oh, no, that's a different comment from before. All right, where's Susie? 
We need Susie back here. Let me see if... Uh... Oh, there we go. Susie's back. Her device is not connected. She's going to connect this one. Let me just see what you guys say. Oh, so I was saying, look, look what happened to us in the UK when we had a referendum. Oh, my God. Okay, so now you're supporting not having referendum. Like, yeah, true. Okay, people make the wrong decisions sometimes, like the like Brexit. That's very true. But what are you going to do? What do you, um, I'm not in favor of having referendum referendums for everything all the time okay but if there is i mean okay so there okay i'm actually against a referendum on brexit okay because there wasn't it wasn't needed okay there wasn't you weren't stopping war by so i think you weren't stopping this major cost of society like there was not this major demand there wasn't this tragedy that is happening that you could you were stopping i i think like a referendum on kashmir will just end up a lot of uh and stopping a lot of bloodshed so it's much it's much more needed there than when than brexit i don't know i have to think about it i mean i think that doing the cost benefit analysis on this is very complicated but i do think like overall if you just give people the the right to self-determination on average that's a better thing but it has to be through negotiations and both sides agreeing. It can't be just like I'm, I'm not. I'm not in favor of anybody uh, seceding by force. Uh, international laws needs to be respected and borders need to be um, accepted unless there's a mutual agreement on both sides. Um, yeah, that's why I'm basically against Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Uh, Susie, are you? Do we have you back, Susie? Susie. Okay. Susie. Where's my Susie? Okay, Susie's image quality is low. Susie. Let me actually message her, please. Hello? Message her. Satya is saying, damn, Armin, you, in, you united the whole Indian left and right in the live chat. How did I do that? Against me? Oh, Susie is messaging it. I'm going to join on my phone. Okay, Susie is going to come back on her phone. Can you please send me the... Oh, shit. She's been asking for the link. Oh, there we go. Okay, Susie is going to come on her phone. I'm back a little bit right now. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay i sent you the can you link. hear me right now come back yeah i can hear you but with a delay so try coming on your phone whatever storm is saying there's already a pathway to referendum by the united nations but to get to that the pakistani army needs to withdraw first from their side of kashmir well, that seems inconvenient Silva is saying, if Kashmir has referendum, I know a couple of states which will follow suit. Tamil, uh, Nadu being the top of that list. Me siding with Satya and Oxymoron is literally making me puke. <laughs> okay, wow. Everybody is uniting in the live chat against me. Wow, you're coming up crisp and clean and really seems like pretty good. Do, you have, do we have audio? 
Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. I think okay, I managed cool. to unite to unite the live shit against me. Everybody's no, on your you, side. They united united them towards a common cause. People agree with you. Oh, they do? No, they're disagreeing with me. Yeah. Anyways, either way, they're united. So that's good. <laughs> uh look at this. Look at the love and hate. Look at this. Shake Beef is saying me siding with Satya and Oxymoron is literally making me puke. And this is this is a comment on Twitch. We have like a Twitch YouTube comment uh, crossing. And Satya is saying the feeling is mutual, bro. Yeah. <laughs> this is a Hindutva, anti-Hindutva agreeing with. <laughs> no, you know what I think is funny is that um I I because of this news story, basically I started looking at pictures of Kashmir. And Kashmir yeah. is beautiful. Like I want yeah. to go visit Kashmir so badly now. I'm like, is it is it safe for me? Because this place is stunning. I'm obsessed. It I, looks like where I grew up. Like I love it. <laughs> the I don't like oh it when God. people say this place is beautiful. Because I, I literally can't find a place. Enjoy? That... What? No, because everywhere has like be like, have you been to this place? It's beautiful. I'm like, yeah, everywhere is beautiful. Like, okay, no, no. that's not true. Have you been to the middle of America? It's not beautiful. There's nothing to see. It's I'm pretty sure no. it has some beautiful scenes. I'm pretty sure some beautiful scenes. <laughs> I'm sure. I hate it when people say that a place is beautiful. What? I no. <laughs> I just think it's no. I I mean. I'm not saying I'm not anti-beauty. I'm just saying every country, every region has is beautiful. I'm actually mean I'm being positive. I'm saying everywhere is beautiful. Okay, I just that's it's kind of like well because you're being anti-beauty now. You're you just live there and you hate where you live, so you just can't see the beauty of those places. I think I've never lived everywhere. in Middle America. What are you talking about? Okay, let me see Middle America. I'm a, I'm a West Coast baby. What? <laughs> Okay. Anyways, wait, we should move to the next news because I'm on my phone now and I'm going to be running out of battery. Okay, Middle America scenery, Google Google images is beautiful. I just check. Wrong. By definition, <laughs> by definition everywhere cannot be beautiful. I you said think everywhere a slum has in the beautiful Liberia is beautiful. Like, I said everywhere has beautiful scenery. I didn't say every place is beautiful. The, every location, every big big enough location has beautiful scenery. Just look just look for the location, go to Google Images, type the name of the place, and then write scenery, and look at Google Images. Beautiful places will show up. Armin is just trying to take my appreciation for Kashmir <laughs> away from me, and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> Vidu is saying, Armin, stop beauty shaming Kashmir. I, exactly. I just think... It's kind of like I I met Iranian people. They're such amazing people. They're such loving people. Like, yeah. No, that's a generalization like, of people that's unwarranted. Saying that you find a landscape beautiful in that specific region is subjective and, and opinion. It's not yeah. a generalization. I'm sure, yeah, I, every every country has good people, and every place, every country has good sinners. Anyways, let's move to the next news. <laughs> what a strangest thing to fight with me over. <laughs> You picked a fight. I was just making a comment. Oh, I picked a right. fight. Okay. <laughs> I, can't. I can't. All right. All right. 
Kashmir is beautiful, okay? So it is everywhere else. Can we Can clap for the next tell me if it's safe enough for me to visit? I want to go. <laughs> no, it's not. What are you talking about? For you? Oh. A girl can dream. There are enough other beautiful places. All right. Can we clap for the next news? <laughs> um, unfortunately, I don't think we should. Uh, okay. All right. Next news. Next news. Atheist sisters fleeing Saudi Arabia found dead in Australia. On June 7th, two Saudi national women were found dead in their apartment in Canterbury, New South Wales, Australia. The cause of death remains a mystery as authorities found no signs of forced entry or foul play. The bodies were in an advanced state of decay as the pair had likely died a month before the bodies were found, prompting the authorities to declare an inconclusive cause of death. According to the Australian, sisters Ashra Abdul uh, Al-Seli, 24, and Amal Abdullah Al-Seli, 23, were denied a protection visa due to their sexuality and religious beliefs. The siblings claimed they were persecuted in Saudi Arabia, as one was a lesbian and the other was an atheist, and allegedly one of them was also escaping a forced marriage. The investigation revealed that the siblings arrived legally in Australia on a valid visa and applied for a subclass 866 protection visa. According to some reports, both applications were declined due to insufficient evidence. The local police have stated that their family back in Saudi Arabia is cooperating with the investigation and are not considered suspects at this time. So before we dive into this, I just want to cover a few things. I have seen conflicting reports on a few details of this case. And so we just have to talk about that for transparency. I have seen some reports saying that both of them were atheists. Some saying just one was an atheist. I've seen some reports saying that their asylum case was denied because they were saying we need to seek asylum um, for we need to seek asylum because we're atheists and one of us is a lesbian and some people some reports are saying that they didn't receive asylum based on those claims and then other sources are saying actually their claim was still being processed so i'm not precisely sure which is true because of course when i was looking for more information it was behind a freaking paywall anyways um and so there's some conflicting information there and then there is I've seen some reports saying that they they thought that they were being followed by a private investigator. Some say that there there was maybe a, a forced marriage that was involved. There's a lot that isn't clear. But because of this issue, I actually literally just got a text from Zara Kay sending me a link talking about now the whole issue of ex-Muslims and atheists is getting more attention in Australia because of this case. And wait, what is this comment from AGA say? said their mother had come to visit them once and the family was has directed police to deal with the Saudi consulate for anything further. Interesting. Um, and I think this is really important to talk about because when I was looking for coverage of this in the media, the fact that they were atheists was basically not barely mentioned at all. Essentially not mentioned. It was like what? one line, like one was an atheist. The, the lion's share of the news, all of the news only covers the fact that they had an LGBT identification and that's the cause for their, um, their, their asylum claim. And this really frustrates me because we need more people to be aware of how severe things are for atheists in Saudi Arabia. So this was one of the reasons why I wanted 
to cover the story was because the atheist angle of this needs to be named. Well, good job. Thank you for doing that. This is, well, this is yeah, it's important. Yeah. Um, once again, reminder that atheists, nobody gives a crap about atheists, apparently. And also there was a, in the last chat, AGA is also confirming that uh, Australia doesn't recognize apostasy as a valid reason for asylum. Well, maybe after this they should, no? Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully this causes right. some pressure. Well, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's causing any pressure given that nobody talks about their atheism. They're only talking about the LGBT status. By the way, we're not like dissing the importance of like, I hope people understand that we're not saying atheism is more important, like you being. Oh my a God, victim. of course not. Like, we're not saying, like, oh, being LGBT doesn't matter. And that's not like, that's not, you're not going to get a lot of crap for that. Like, obviously, you will. Okay. So, like, we're not like, oh, atheist matters more than LGBT. We're not doing that. We're just saying, like, atheism should also get some attention here. Yeah. But, like, is there any way we can, is there anything we can do to, like, pressure the Australian government to take this more seriously as a case for asylum? Well, AGA is saying, oh, wait, I can't select things on my phone. AGA is saying we're working on a campaign to change this. Hey, AGA, if you want me to get in touch about boosting that and how we can work together, please let me know because, yeah, we'd really like to. cover it in the news, maybe. Exactly. Um, and it's also unfortunate that Australia is one of the worst places in the world. Okay, maybe that's an exaggeration. Australia is really bad at handling asylum cases in general. Australia yeah. is really bad about handling refugees. Like, her, like horrific. So I think it's really, I don't know why they chose Australia. I don't know how they ended up there, but I think it's a shame because I, I don't know, maybe it's just wishful thinking. Maybe it's speculation, but I think they would have been taken more seriously elsewhere. Okay, read this comment. Um, Darko is saying, how is the cause of death still unknown though? So at this point, because their bodies were found a month after they died. So it's very difficult to, it, it, it is more difficult to establish the cause of death when the bodies are in that state of decay. How was it, how did it take, where was the body again? Sorry. In their apartment. So what happened? Does it not smell? That's probably, I don't know, I don't know the details, but that's probably how they were eventually found dead. It's really horrible. It's really horrible. And the thing is, based on reports I was reading, they were extremely reclusive. They didn't like to go outside. They had clearly been in Sydney for a while, but hadn't experienced Sydney based on someone who met them at a girls only queer event. She talked to them and was like, they were, they were kind of, they were very shy. They didn't want to engage in people. They, she was asking them information about themselves, their background. They really didn't give out information. They were only short answers. And so she got the sense that they had been here, but not gotten out of the house that much. So they were very isolated and probably because they were isolated that contributed to not being identified for so long because no one, less people at least knew to look for them, you know? Any, any ideas of who might be wanting to kill them? I I cannot not responsibly put forth any speculations at this point. The, based on all the reporting I was reading, there wasn't anything that I could really bring forward. There were some reports that they thought that they were being followed by a private investigator. Who was involved with that? I have no idea. But there's something very insidious that happened, certainly. 
Forever Stormy is saying, um, unfortunately, it's impossible to prove you are an atheist unless you have some electronic evidence like cats or you're famous. Um, it is it's it is difficult. And the part of the problem is, is that I think it's a, based on things and campaigns and experiences I've had working on in the past. Frankly, atheists have an undue burden of evidence when it comes to proving their apostasy versus if you're a Christian. They just say, oh, yeah, you're a Christian in a Muslim country. You're going to be persecuted, blah, blah, blah. But like the government of Canada, for example, seems to think that if you are a person that's just trying to get asylum in Canada, that you'll just go say willy nilly, oh, I'm an atheist, blah, 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 just to get asylum. Versus, but that's not true because if everyone knows how seriously that is taken within Islam. So people's willingness to just be like, oh, yeah, I'm an atheist, like, as just a way to get asylum is I think I think that's inaccurate. What's more likely is for ex-Muslim atheists to pretend to be Christian for the sake of getting asylum or pretend to be gay for the sake of getting asylum. I'm familiar with instances like this because they know that that is more likely to get their claim recognized than being an atheist. Atheists have an undue an unfair burden of proving their atheism in comparison to other religious or persecuted groups. And in terms of proving it, um, it, it really helps to get in touch with atheist organizations who can write recommendation letters for you. Get familiar with your case, write recommendation letters for you. Um, this is something I have experience with um, because basically that has to serve as your proof that you're an atheist is you have to get people in atheist organizations usually to vouch for you or people from your community to say i know that he renounced islam etc etc mm. just... is saying saudi families are known to kidnap their girls from other countries maybe that angle needs to be checked if these girls were so scared to step out i think it does yeah there's a lot that needs to be investigated definitely Yes, and it also reminded me a lot of oh, um, something I don't remember saying atheists don't get easy asylum. No, 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 no. not at all, not at all. Um, it also reminded me of the case of Rafa Muhammad a lot, you know, how, how she escaped from her family after leaving them out of vacation on Kuwait. Yeah. You make an interesting point. Like you should take people who claim to be atheists more seriously because if they were lying, they would go with something that would be in favor for like you would be like, I'm, I'd rather lie that I'm a Christian because that seems to get you a lot more support than atheists, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think people are more likely to claim, I think, yeah. It, okay. So because the, the accusation that has been said by like Canadian government officials to other people I've worked with is, Oh, they could be a Muslim, but just lying to say they're atheists to get asylum, blah, blah, blah. Do you think yeah, a believing Muslim is more likely to say that, oh, I'm gay, give me asylum, or more likely to say I'm atheist, give me asylum, as a lie? Which lie do you think a believing Muslim is more likely to choose? Well, given that there's so, so much support for the LGBT community and not much for the atheist community, I think LGBT would be the better lie. Would be, yeah. yeah. But also from but like a, a Muslim background. I think it's more likely to say that I'm a mm. gay than I'm an apostate. No, it depends. It really depends. Mm -hmm. it, okay. it, your your experience might vary. There's some, you know, there's some family members, especially who are very disgusted by 
anything more discussed by gayness. Depends on the country, depends on your family, depends on your community. It's, it's varied. But, but the main argument against this is that you guys already accept asylum cases from things that people could be lying about, right? So this is not a unique problem. We understand that, and we're not saying that people don't lie, that they're atheists to get asylum. They, they definitely do. We have seen it, right? We have seen that some people doing it. We're just we're not saying this doesn't happen. We're just saying this doesn't happen more exclusively other, to atheists. Yeah, yeah, more than the other cases they already accept. Like athe- you don't accept atheists as a case for asylums, but you accept claims for people being gay or Christian, and they could be lying about that as well. So whatever due process you do to evaluate those, just do the same thing for atheists. Why is why are atheists uniquely being singled out as people who could be as claims that people could be lying, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, to wrap up the story, I hope that what happens to what happened to these sisters is identified. I hope that perpetrators are found, arrested, held accountable, of course. And I hope that this puts more pressure on Australian authorities to actually start working with people on the basis of apostasy. Yeah. It's critical. It's actually against international rights conventions that Australia is a party to. If you do not recognize people as an asylum claim on the basis of their apostasy, that's discrimination on the basis of belief. What? Okay. Interesting. Yeah, because atheism or non-belief is protected as a reason to pursue asylum. Because it's, you know, usually they say it used to be just religious language around it, right? But now they say freedom of religion or belief. We fit under or belief. If they fail to fulfill that, they that's a dereliction of duty guys if atheist republic was a bigger organization we would be involved in lobbying these things taking these things to court and stuff like that right this is what atheist republic was like ideally could, could have been right so support atheist republic to but grow no, it atheist still republic. is that still is the vision that's the vision yes so help us get there one day so we could be like kind of like what freedom from religion foundation is doing in the u.s we want to do a mild, like a smaller version of that, but globally, like basically challenging these asylum uh, laws um, and also any any you know laws in India, laws in uh, any country like in Malaysia and in Indonesia. We want to be there. We want to fi- find local, get our local atheist republic consulates to get connected to human rights activists and lawyers and start you know find a case that needs our attention somebody being in jail for apostasy and stuff and then start leading fundraisers for the lawyers and basically high, uh, do one case at a time and either do lobbying or you know sue the government or find somebody who's being uh, harmed and you know or imprisoned or hunted down or targeted in any way and find lawyers to protect them. This is the type of activism that if we had the resources, we would have been loved to get uh, to involved in. So if you could support us in any way, please help us just like liking these videos or like donating anything. Well, maybe one day get us there. So just, mm-hmm. just letting you know what our long-term plans are. Wait, there's a funny comment by Hum, hum Donnie in the chat saying you have to eat a baby to prove your atheism to immigration. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to make it less, you know, if you want to do a less harmful version of that, you know, just put a baby in front of them and see, you know, 
and they see if they want to eat it. Like, does the mouth the water? Is there salivation? Yeah, just you don't. You don't actually have to feed them the baby. Just like, just check their reaction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you? You're like. Are you starting to get hungry? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um. Wait. Yeah. I, um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My. No. I. I, I saw. Yeah. My. Guys. My. You can contact Atheist Republic on atheistrepublic.com if you guys need to contact us. There's a contact page there. All right. Can we clap for the next news? Um. We don't like this, but it's like no one died, so we can clap. No one died. Next news. <laughs> Kindergartner kicked out of Christian school because parents are lesbians. Recently, parents Emily and Jenny Parker were told by the Bible Baptist Academy in De Quincey, Louisiana, that their child, Zoe, would be barred from attending kindergarten at the school because of their same-sex relationship. On August 3rd, Zoe, excuse me, I have the hiccups. On August 3rd, Zoe was officially adopted by her aunts after her father was killed in a workplace accident. Then, just two days before the start of the school year, the Parkers were informed that little Zoe, who had already attended the same school for pre-kindergarten classes the year before, would not be allowed to continue her education at the institution because of their lifestyle choices. The school's director and the pastor said the relationship is not in line with the school's religious teachings about marriage. Upon the school's decision, Emily said she felt insulted and embarrassed. She added, we've never been confronted so bluntly about our relationship. In a statement on the school's website, Bible Baptist Academy explained that they are, quote, committed to instructing and living in accordance to the teachings of the scripture. And that this not means that they hold, that does not mean that they hold hate or malice towards the couple. The couple, who themselves are Christian, said that this incident was a blessing in disguise and that they are thankful that the Bible Baptist Academy, quote, will not mold my tiny human's brain to be anything like you. So this freaking school, this child is essentially an orphan. She was adopted within less than two weeks before the school year. Two days before the school year starts, they're like, yeah, we can't have you here. Because your adopted parents who adopted you from being a freaking orphan are gay. She was a student at the school the year before. So it was fine when her dad was alive and all this stuff. But now based oh. on her circumstance, now now she can't attend. It's ludicrous. I don't understand you believe that. I don't understand their logic behind this. Wouldn't you want to? I mean, even from a Christian perspective, wouldn't this kid need more saving than other kids? Like, like, yeah. oh my, oh, like, oh no, she's been taken by this, I don't know, degenerate family. Let's make sure that we challenge their lgbt lifestyle with like giving her a good dose of christian values when she's with us like why is wouldn't that be like if you were like a homophobic christian wouldn't that be the logical re, re, you know why like oh she's damned so let her be damned even extra that's what you would think 
It doesn't make any sense to me. And also, okay, I actually had this weird emotional reaction where I got offended, like, as a Christian. <laughs> but, like, like, even me, and based on every Christian value I learned throughout my life, this goes against, like, everything I taught. What happened to the sins, like, based on the Old Testament, there's, like, generational curses, right? Based on the New Testament, like, the sins of the father are not the sins of the son. Why would you be holding this child accountable? For because they never said anything about the sins of the mother. <laughs> Wait, actually, Christianity teaches you that it is the sins of the son. It's Adam's apple and everything. Well, that's the basis of original sin, right? Yeah. But then there's also many, many other teachings that are contrary to that. And that's what I was imbued throughout my lifetime. It's insane yeah. to me. But also, how are the? I mean, I, Christians don't make often logical choices. So I mean, I'm not surprised. Like it doesn't make any sense. But it also makes sense because it shouldn't make any sense. It's religion. But <laughs> why are these mothers kind of shocked? Like this is a, it's a Bible Baptist Academy. Like. Like, why are they acting like this? They didn't expect this from such an Well, because they're Christian. Like, their little girl is a Christian. Yeah, but, like, like, she but was they know the how Christians are. I think are. just how blatant it is. It's still shocking. In, in the post that one of them put on Facebook, she's, like, disgusting Southern culture. Like, yeah, I, mean, I think this it's, is, it's, it's, this it's is a slap a, in the I, face. That's what it is. But, like, okay, I'm not saying you should be. this should be accepted. But I'm I'm shocked that they're shocked. This is a southern state, and it's literally called a Bible ba Baptist Academy. Am I like missing something here? Like, isn't isn't this how you expect them to behave? To a certain extent, you're right. I think part of what it is is like they so apparently they've received an outpouring of support from other Christians in their community. Very quickly, there were numerous other schools that were like, "No, we want to take your child in." And so she's going to be attending a different Christian school that's actually closer to them. So that's another benefit to them. Um, but it's still ludicrous to me. It's absolutely ludicrous. Like, okay, like I was saying, like, as a Christian, wouldn't you be like, this is against what we teach? Like, mm. this seems against Christianity in so many different levels. Like, Ezekiel 18, 20, the soul who sins shall die. The soul who shall not suffer for the inquiry for the for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him. The wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. It's yeah, clearly yeah. like you are responsible for your own sins. You're not responsible for the sins of who you descended from. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I, I, that's very. It's a very good point, Susie. I want to like figure out like what the what is the thinking process. Like I'm very curious about the thinking process behind this. Like they looked at this child, and they're like, "Yeah, we we're not gonna help you because of these two people." Like, how is that? How does that follow? Like, how is that? How how does this brain operate that comes with the this girl who was a part of our community? Yeah, yeah. Who went to our school before? So now we're not gonna let. And she, not only did she lose her father, she lost her mother. Now she's losing the friends that she's known her whole life. Hmm. It makes no sense. Like I want to know. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure they didn't get it out of nowhere. Like are they just, are they just like you, gross? We don't want to. Like what? I, I don't. Do you understand. want me to read the statement on their website? Yeah. 
Yes, please, please, please. Okay, so regarding the recent events at Baptist Bible Academy, at BBA, we are committed to instructing and living in accordance with the teachings of Scripture. We believe that the Bible teaches that every life has value and that there is dignity in all of us because we are created in the image of God. The Bible also teaches us to love everyone with the love of God, despite their personal choices. Oh, yeah, yeah. you're really exhibiting that. Oh, my God. We strive to teach this. There's no love like time. Christian hate. It's so um, it's so passive-aggressive. Like, go. We encourage go them to show love and compassion to everyone. As a Baptist Bible Academy, we are also committed to provide an environment that is consistent with the beliefs we hold. We want our students to not only know our beliefs, but we want them to see them as well. Oh, my gosh. This is your demonstration of your beliefs? We cast out a freaking orphan girl? Nice. Um, regarding personal relationships, we hold that those relationships, whether in dating or in marriage, it should be between a man and a woman. We live in a wonderful country. We have been granted the freedom to worship as we see fit. As a Christian institution, we are protected by federal laws that give us the opportunity to teach and practice our beliefs. This is so disgusting. We feel deeply that our first obligation is to God and being faithful to him. There are times where our commitment to upholding our Christian values will not align with the values of other people. This should not be interpreted that we have any hatred or malice towards them. We are just as committed to loving all people as we are to holding to Bible principles that people might not agree with or might not understand. BBA is committed to academic excellence with rich scriptural instruction. Oh my gosh, it just makes me okay. so upset. No, if, okay, so let's dissect this. Your beliefs, even as, as dumb as they are, okay, and as homophobic as they are, I think you don't even understand your own beliefs. Your beliefs are that a woman should not marry or have sexual relationship with another woman, okay? That's what your beliefs are. Your beliefs are not we should be kicking out their adopted orphan daughter out of our kindergarten, okay? One does not follow the other one. That is nowhere. That is not part of your belief system. That is not part of your belief system. Where do you get like, you, you are able to at the same time even though i don't support it not recognize this marriage and be against it and call it a sin while at the same time accepting an orphan child in your kindergarten these two things don't contradict each other even though one of them is evil you don't have to go full evil you can go half evil <laughs> <laughs> you could just be like i'm just we're just homophobic and we hate these two parents okay go half this evil you don't have to, to like you don't have to commit to it what I, I went to an extremely Catholic institution, right? And in my classes, I had I had classmates who had lesbian mothers. And yeah, when we had little portraits of the wall of people's families that we would draw, and there were two moms in someone's drawing, we were all like, what the hell is this? Why do you have two moms? What? Like, there was that culture. But as an institution, the school was like, yeah, you can have your kids here. We don't care. And this is like, jesuit ass education <laughs> yeah so it's also blowing my mind from that angle like what and this is back in the early 2000s when we weren't nearly as accepting like it was way more normal as a culture to be homophobic at, in total throughout the nation crazy to me mm. anything you want to highlight from oh um from the live chat before we move on um uh no oh and so d is pointing out that there are conflicting bible verses in terms of if 
the son is guilty of the father's sins, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yes, it, it, yeah, it is very conflicting, of course. But here's the thing, like as someone who, in the, it depends on what kind of Christian you are, but basically the whole idea is is that the New Testament is supposed to take away those old laws and replace them with more what, humanistic laws, essentially. Mm. And so the worst, the worst of the laws that say that you are responsible for what your father did or whatever, those are supposedly supposed to be wiped away. It depends on how you look at things theologically. So anyway, we got a new member. Whale. Oh, Whale Lord just became a YouTube member. Why? Thank you, Whale Lord. I'll hail the mm. Whale Lord. Tell the other whales. Uh, yeah. Also, Mirja Lal is saying that it's safe for you to go to Kashmir, which I don't believe him. But he wants you to go there and he will host you. One day. But don't go. One day. No, don't go. No, not good. Inshallah. Yeah. I want to go so to Kashmir and I want to go to Kerala. I want to go to Tamil Nadu. Oh, wow. Really badly. I don't think it will ever be safe for me. Anyways, can we clap for the next news? Um, yes. Next news. Next news. Why is the Nicaraguan government cracking down on the Catholic Church? For months, the Catholic Church has been facing increasing repression from the Nicaraguan government, prompting concern from the Vatican and regional international bodies governing the Americas. On August 1st, the police arrived at the Divine Mercy Parish in the Diocese of uh, Matagalpa, Nicaragua, to shut down one of the radio stations operated by the Catholic Church. In total, seven Catholic radio stations were quickly shuttered. According to Nicaragua's Regulatory Board for Telecommunication, the radio stations operated by the Catholic Church have had no valid operating license since 2003. Religious processions have also been banned, citing security concerns, and 18 nuns from Mother Teresa's Missionaries of Charity Order were also expelled from the country. Numerous priests have also been arrested or essentially put under siege within their own homes by national security forces. Bishop Alvarez, one of the most vocal critics of Nicaraguan President Daniel Ortega, believes that these attacks are happening due to the Catholic Church being instrumental during the 2018 protests that rocked the nation. During that period, the church sheltered student demonstrators and allowed them to collect food and money under its roof. More than 355 people were killed and 2,000 were hurt during these massive protests against social security reform supported by the Catholic Church and business groups. Ortega's response was to label Catholic leaders, including bishops, as terrorists. Ortega, oh, since 2018, nothing has been the same, with opponents to the government being arrested and, and detained until finally, only the Catholic Church remained in opposition. The prominent leaders, Cardinal Leopoldo Brenes and Bishop Silvio Baez, have lambasted President Daniel Ortega for the violent crackdown. And so I wanted to talk about this because this is a story that has been on my radar for a few months. Um, but like I said, with some of these news, I, I like to watch it kind of evolve and then I come present it to you guys once there's um, more that's out and I have more understanding. So I thought that this was really important because like I said, this has been going on for a long time and it seems like, you know, it kind of 
kicked off in 2018. And then recently, it, within the past few months and even the beginning of August, things have accelerated greatly. Um, and I thought it was really important to talk about because um, there's like a weird Marxist contention here. So the president, uh, Daniel Ortega, was a sad Sandinista rebel leader who helped overthrow the previous government. And the Catholic Church was previously aligned with the past fascist dictatorship until, what was it, like the, the 80s, 70s, they, um, the, the Sandinistas started to take off and then the Catholic Church actually did align with the Sandinistas for a period of time, kind of as a liberatory movement, right? And theoretically, like, they've been kind of having good terms with the um, Ortega's government for some time. Like, they were supposed to have a mediating role and kind of work as middlemen between a student opposition and the government itself. And ultimately, that entire effort failed. And then as Ortega has basically just gone full dictator in the style of the man that he overthrew, um, like the people who run against him in elections have become arrested and yeah, dissidents are arrested going after reporters etc cetera, etc cetera. and so they were just going through opposition one by one one by one until finally like i said the catholic church essentially remains as one of the few oppositional voices in the entire country and um now it it, it falls upon them to speak out for the people and they're facing a severe crackdown because of it. Like house arrests where they're stuck in their house by national security forces. They can't even leave. They don't have their like electricity is cut off. They're not allowed to go outside to get water. They're like their food. They're stuck in their homes with their staff. Like it's getting really crazy. Wow. I didn't notice. I thought somebody in left. I was joking about this. Uh, but then I, when you explained it, apparently it was real. That was probably those goddamn commies going after religion. Well, here's the what inter is interesting because, so Daniel Ortega, like, he is a Sandinista, right? So and they are Marxist, but he, and, and his, his lovely wife, his wife is also the vice president. Just to like give you like, oh, okay. So you and your wife run the country. Okay, cool. Um, and they claim to be Christian, right? And they claim to be talking about, um, you know, like, oh, it's so good to be a Christian. His wife called the Catholic priests like demon Yankees. <laughs> she called the Catholic priests demons. I was like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> but they claim to be Christian, but they're Marxist. I don't know. There's some Marxists who like try to argue that that's not a contradiction, whatever, whatever. Um, but I thought it was important to talk about because, you know, we've talked about before how Africa like is not covered at all. It turns out Latin America is the least reported on region in the world. And so I thought it was really important to shed some light on this. Mm. Well, interesting. Thank you for that. Uh, we have yeah. people in the live chat celebrating their memberships, milestones. Something oh, that's I don't so remember. Cute. The username, something I don't remember, just uh, celebrating four months worth of uh, four months of membership. And Vishwa Kumar, 
three months of membership. I didn't know you could celebrate your milestones in the live chat like that. That's pretty cool. That's so cute. Thank you, guys. Um, Thank you guys for supporting us for that long. I love this comment from D. Ortega was like, I will ban anyone who is against me. Even yeah, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, but I am actually like I, I, it's very interesting to me that people see feel people see like Marx religious Marxist people are like how is that happen? Um, it happens a lot in the Middle East. Like Muslim mm -hmm. Marxist Muslims are a big thing. In fact, um, it, back before the Iranian Revolution, a lot of people thought Islam was very much in line with Marxism. <laughs> like they were like, oh, actually, uh, Hossein. And is like really oh, perfect geez. for, <laughs> for you know, uh, advocating for Marxist ideals. Like there were serious scholars that were saying like all of this Marxist like or leftist narratives, um, Islamic symbolism is a perfect vehicle for spreading that. So that was oh, like geez. a thing. Yeah. This is why they say the leftist elites will betray you. God damn. <laughs> No, actually, this is why a lot of people in Iran are now, you're right, uh, are questioning experts and academics because they have a very bad experience with these liberal, so-called liberal academics kind of saying like this Khomeini guy is kind of like... He might like, be onto something. He's like, he's like, he's our, here's our Mandela. Like, here's our Gandhi. He's, this is our Gandhi. Oh, my God. Did you guys, by the way, we have a lot of Indians in Russia. Did you guys know that the understanding was like Khomeini was Iran's Gandhi? That was the understanding. People are like, this is the age of revolutions. Everywhere, like in South America, South Africa, India, United Latin States America. is going through, yeah, Latin America, United States was going through Martin Luther King. It's Iran's turn. This is like the people's revolution. Like, it's, it's working oh everywhere else. Oh my God, else. I'm getting stressed out again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, people didn't know that. People were like, "What?" Uh, yeah, no, people yeah. thought this is what. You know who thought? You know who thought that like was in line with this line of thinking that Khomeini was basically Iran's uh, Gandhi or Mandela. Carter. That's what Carter, President Carter, thought. Oh God damn it! That's why they kind of supported the revolution. Yeah. Anyways. It's a damn shame. <laughs> this is why they, this is why when the shock got cancer, they were not accepting him anywhere. He was kind of like a he was like an ally of the United States, but they wouldn't even let him come to the United States to get a, a operations for a surgery. Oh wow. Because they thought it might it might anger the mullahs. They're like, we don't want to anger the mullahs. We might actually have a relationship with them. But then the whole embassy thing ruined that. <laughs> like <laughs> the guy that was like doing everything, the guy that was an ally of the United States in the Middle East, like their major ally, right? A major ally of the United States. The Literally guy had cancer. by the government. No, they were like not. They were not treating him. They were like, you can't come to the United States to get like treatment for your cancer because we, we the Khomeini, the mullahs might get upset with us. But at that point, they were, the Americans were still oh hoping that they could have a relationship with the Mullahs. This was before the embassy takeover. Anyways, we need to move on. Um... <laughs> Susie getting stressed out in the corner again. Oh, Oxymoron is saying Gandhi would have been worse if he didn't die. 
Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is a big claim. Gandhi, oxymoron is claiming that if Gandhi had stayed alive, he would have been worse than Khomeini. Okay. Okay. Sure. <laughs> okay. Whew. Whew. Oh, my God. Look at these comments. The far what right brain rot. Oh my these God. are like this is a <laughs> these are the people from India. This is a, guys, we don't have <laughs> the anti-Gandhi views are coming from our Indian audience, okay? Like this is like I mean, wow, I have my criticisms of Gandhi, but damn. Like Oxymoron is saying Ambedkar believed that too. I don't think that's a that for extent. different reasons than you, Oxymoron. Come on, be honest. <laughs> All right, let's All right. go. Um, hmm. anyways, okay. we should move on because my phone is about to die. Okay, good. Uh, Kim Clap, no, next news, no, no. Um, Maldivian ex Muslim atheist convicted for blasphemy, life under threat. Today, we bring you an important update on the case of Mushtaba, known by his pseudonym Rushtim Russo, the Maldivian atheist prisoner. Mushtaba is a well-known Maldivian activist who speaks up for the right of freedom of belief. In the Maldives, the blasphemy is a crime. Mushtaba has been arrested twice for his outspoken criticism of Islam. He was first arrested in September 2019 when he was accused and detained on suspicion of posting, quote-unquote, obscene material and insulting Islam. He was jailed for more than six months without trial. While he was in prison, he faced inhumane conditions, abuse from officials and other prisoners, and punishment for refusing to fast during Ramadan. He was released in March of 2020, but was again arrested for allegedly, quote, obstructing the course of justice. Mushnuba faced a court hearing held on August 10th, where he was forced to represent himself, and he pled guilty to the charges. He was sentenced to a four-month prison term, but since he had already served more than that in detention, he was set free. Since his release, Mushtaba has received numerous death threats and faced legitimate threats of vigilante mob violence, as his photo has been circulated in the media. Human rights organizations, such as Humanist International, are extremely concerned about Mushtaba's safety and call on the Maldivian authorities to protect the atheist. Um, so I wanted to cover this news because we talked about what was happening to Rushdom um, earlier in June or July. And we knew I knew that he was going to be having his hearing, but like we, we needed to wait a little while to see what the results of the hearing were. And so now we know. So as a little bit of background, the the timeline of the his his arrest and unlawful detention is a little bit confusing to me but the most recent update is that all of a sudden the court gave him one week to find representation for himself and no one wanted to represent him because of his charges and also the nature of his case and how dangerous it likely is to represent someone like that in the Maldives so he was forced to represent himself and because he was trying to find representation he actually missed numerous hearings eventually during this um uh during this hearing on the 10th yeah he finally just had to represent himself he ended up pleading guilty to the charges you know i they're, they're ridiculous charges to begin with obviously like blasphemy is not a crime 
And previously, the prosecutors had said, oh, he would only been detained for 29 days, blah, blah, blah. That wasn't true. He had been unlawfully detained for months. And at this new hearing, the prosecutor was forced to apologize for this false statement because the records from you know, prison or the detention center clearly show that he has been detained for six months. And basically because he pled guilty to the charges, okay, he had to be sentenced. He was facing a, a four-month sentence, but because he had already been detained for over six months, they said, okay, you can actually just go free now because you already served that time in detention and we can prove it. So the good news is, is that he's out of detention, he's free, but the bad news is, is his life is still very much in danger. All right, thank you so much for keeping us updated on this. Um, Dee has a very interesting, um, she's like very much in contact with this person. I think. Yeah, Dee is saying, one? I spoke to him through Messenger last week. He is very thankful to the NGOs. Um, he's still getting death threats working on possible asylum. Yes, I hope mm -hmm. he's successful in that case. Also, we got a super chat specifically for you. Can you five Canadian dollars. The oh wait what does the super chat say i highlighted it buy a phone um, charger for Susie. well thank you prometheus huh. i do actually have a phone charger i just can't plug it in because it'll mess up how i can sit my phone right here <laughs> <laughs> it's i can, nice I can try joining again on Streamyard. hopefully i have better connection now okay but thank you prometheus for the yes thank for the you super, so much thank you for the super chat and for the fire. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for giving us light. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Mm. Um, all right. Should we clap for the next news? Yeah, I want to try joining on StreamYard for just a quick second um, on my computer. Okay. So I'm going to pull myself wait down for, for one moment. To get on. People, people are fighting on the live chat over Ambedkar versus Gandhi. There's been we started a whole debate. Okay, we have the uh, double Susie. Oh yeah, that's better. Say something. We don't have your audio. Why oh, she's saying one second? She's she's frustrated. She can't figure out how to. She doesn't understand like what's wrong with the audio. Why can't they hear me? I have selected all the correct mics, so why can't they hear me? Everything should be working. Say something. Nope, we can't hear you. <laughs> she's we can't hear, her, but she's probably saying this should be working. I don't know what's. Oh, look, it's now. That's the reason why because it's disconnected. The mic is disconnected. Oh, she's gone. It's both. What? Okay. <laughs> Are you guys still debating Gandhi versus Ambedkar? Um, Shreya, she's saying, try turning off auto-update. Oh, there we go, Susanna. It's not auto-update. You can see. Oh, there we go. Am I back? Yes. Yes, you're back. There we go, baby. Okay, we got it. You, you did it. You did it. And your connection is fantastic. You're clear. You're crisp. Your audio is good. No delays. Let's just hope it lasts. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, like Susie, look at our live chat. Like it's filled with members. 
Like it's all green. It's beautiful. I'm Look at all this green on our side of things. I'm it's com like completely green. Thank you so much for being members. Like it's like more members than non-members. Amazing. Know, thank you guys. We should yeah, I need to check to see how many more emojis we can add now since we got so many new members. Yeah. Mostly right, thanks we, to Darko, yeah. like just freaking giving out memberships like he's Oprah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And also so so many other people gifted. Like uh yeah. I need to actually have a private discussion with some people. Okay. Anyway, so can we clap for the next news? Sure. Next news. Next news. U.S. Department of Justice to investigate Southern Baptist sexual abuse. On August 12th, Southern Baptist Convention, or SBC, officials announced that the U.S. Department of Justice would lead an investigation into widespread sexual abuse within the largest Protestant denomination in the United States. The DOJ, Department of Justice, says the probe will include multiple church agencies. This announcement follows a years-long effort from survivors and activists to hold the SBC accountable for shielding abusers and predators within their ranks for decades. It all started to fall apart for the SBC in February of 2019, when a report released by two major newspapers in Texas revealed findings of a year-long study on sexual abuse within Southern Baptist churches. According to the report, over the last 20 years, more than 700 cases of abuse have been filed. Approximately 220 pastors, ministers, youth pastors, Sunday school teachers, deacons, and church volunteers have already been convicted. The church body refused to release its secret database of abusers until last May. The organization had previously claimed in 20, 2008 in regards to tackling abusers that they could not tell its 47,000 member churches, quote, whom to hire or ordain. Finally, the church reacted by bringing in the Guidepost Solutions Independent Investigative Firm, which released a nearly 300-page, quote-unquote, apocalyptic report earlier this year that church leaders had systematically mishandled claims and mistreated abuse survivors. Law enforcement seems to have taken an interest in this report, with the potential for initiating further prosecutions based on its findings. Amazing. So people are going to go to jail for this? Potentially. Potentially. So I wanted to talk about this because we talked about this apocalyptic report from the Southern Baptist Church a few months ago. And at the time when, you know, we were digging into what was found, what was uncovered, all this stuff, what you kept on asking was, okay, cool. We found this out. Who's going to jail? Who is getting prosecuted? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, nobody so far. We don't know that so far. Like, we just know that they had these findings. And, but there hasn't actually been any movement from law enforcement, right? And now it looks like the hammer is starting to drop and law enforcement, the DOJ, is taking an interest. Now, like I said, there is a potential for initiating further prosecutions. I don't know how likely it is to happen etc etc but based on this bombshell report suddenly it's prompted movement from the doj which is huge the largest protestant denomination in the united states is now being probed by the department of justice if i was being probed by the doj i would be scared <laughs> 
<laughs> that is not all who we, you want knocking on your front door. Yeah. All we get is just the Indian courts and police. Like, pff, like step it up. Like, we need to catch up. But um, Oh, you mean of who's knocking on our door? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So about 20, 220 pastors, ministers, youth pastors, Sunday school teachers... Uh, deacons and church volunteers have already been convicted to 220 been convicted already so these people have been like like molesting you know left and right like how much like 20 like i don't understand like how much what are what are the numbers like 220 people have been like what are they? Are, are these people who are been covering up or the people who are actually involved with the sexual abuse so those are people who are involved with abuse that were actually convicted. And some of them were allowed to continue working within the SBC after being convicted and serving their time. So that's part mm. of the problem. They faced a conviction for these types of crimes and the bot, the church body allowed them to continue to have positions of power within the church, including having access to children. So but what's Huge the what's the what's the rationale behind that? Like, what do you think? Wouldn't you want to, even if you're acting out of your own self interest, wouldn't want you want to like just sacrifice these people so that the whole organization can survive? They, so part of what this is is trying to cover their own ass with liability. So that's why they kept a secret list, a secret list of abusers for years that they refused to give over until like this year because of the liability that they would face because of it. Maybe they have some freaking justification. Oh, Christian love forgiveness. He served his time, blah, blah, blah. Maybe there's an addition of that as well. But within the original report, this original apocalyptic report from the independent investigation, a lot of that, focused on how the SBC was explicitly self-interested in its own liability. And that dictated a lot of their actions. Mm. Um, so I think that might be the, the primary cause. And Dee is bringing up a good point. She's saying, yes, but remember, 700 cases have been filed. So those mm. are convictions. There are hundreds more that have been registered or taken note of within this broader apocalyptic report. Right. So mm. that's a huge problem. And um, that's maybe where there will be a source of more investigation and possible prosecution by the DOJ. And D is also D of course, of course is bringing up another good point. She's saying, this is something that the DOJ usually stays out of because the DOJ is a federal body. And so they usually become involved when things become federal crimes, like human trafficking across state lines, that kind of thing. So there are some people that think that the DOJ involvement in this or probe might actually be inappropriate to a certain extent, because these crimes, unless they did actually involve, you know, human trafficking in some form or fraud, for example, um, they may actually technically have a better local jurisdiction. I don't know how accurate that is legally, but I've seen people expressing that pushback to this. Or maybe they've done something that we don't know that involved that would get the DOJ involved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. 
I just can't still figure out why I go through all these lengths to protect these people when they are bringing out the whole organization. Like, why not just sacrifice them and let them... Yeah, because at first they're covering their own ass in terms of viability and saving face. Mm. But ultimately it is going to lead to a situation like this where it brings everything down. Yeah, yeah. So you basically should be right. I think, right. I think it's, like a, it's like short-sighted. Yeah. So first you would think like this would be embarrassing, it would be bad for the church reputation, so let's hide it. But the process of hiding it makes the problem a lot more... more yeah worse like, like forever stormy is saying i think the cover-up is a bigger issue here than the presence of abusers who happen to be everywhere yeah. that yeah. yeah exactly that's that's my problem that's that's what i'm saying like they they were like trying to cover it up because they thought that the, having the abusers will make them look bad that's why they were covering it up but the cover-up is actually worse than the fact that you have abusers. Because the fact that you have abusers, if you were not taking the side of the abusers, then people wouldn't be holding you responsible. You were like, well, you're against them. You you kicked them out. You 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 gave them to the police. But now this is a bigger embarrassment than having abusers because you're on their side. You're on the side of the abusers. Anyways. Yeah. D is saying, I searched for a statement from the Department of Justice on this, but I couldn't find anything. So that's also important to note that the DOJ has not put out any statement about why they're investigating, what they think is worth investigating within their jurisdiction. They have not said that they are seeking for their prosecutions, anything. It has only been the Southern Baptist Convention themselves who have acknowledged that this is happening. But this uh, is like a really important update from the story that we were covering a few months ago. Forever Stormy is saying they can't even pretend to be holier than thou. No, no, the then... This is a very good point because it goes against what I'm saying. Okay, oh. because the entire the entire business model is that if you're holy, you're good, right? So the reason why they feel or that they need to hide that because that will completely undermine their entire business model mm -hmm. if they have abusers, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's a it's more of a revenue, yeah, yeah. saving yeah. strategy. Um, oh, there was something else I wanted to say. Oh, yeah. So this is an interesting point. So the whole, I don't know how to say this the right way. One thing that I was thinking about is that, okay, so the DOJ is raining down upon them for this, right? Like, does, in a way, does that kind of validate their own effort to save their own skin in terms of liability? Because they've released this huge report and now the DOJ is coming down on them. See what I mean? No. Can you explain? If their lawyers were taking all these actions that we find is immoral mm -hmm. for all these years in an effort to protect their own skin, to, to protect their own liability, and then when finally people push so hard that they do investigate and they do release this independent investigation, and then the DOJ is coming after them protect, potentially for prosecution... Does that um, not kind of prove the point of the people who are like, we are going to protect our own skin because we have legal right. See what I mean? So, yeah. So this might I'm not saying it's right, say. but yeah. Yeah, 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 morally yeah, yeah. right. But strategically, maybe yeah, they had a point. This is why, I'm this not is why excusing we're hiding. them. Let this me be clear. I'm not excusing them. What they do know, is I wrong. But <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you don't, you don't want to get uh, accused of being a sympathizer with <laughs> like we'll, we'll cover this next time 
uh, in the next news because Susanna was recently accused of being symp- uh, a terrorist sympathizer. So we'll we'll cover that actually. But no, no. But you, you're right. This might be sending the wrong message. You're like, see, this is why we need to hide this stuff because if when when the information comes out, we get the goddamn DOG on our asses. Like maybe we, this is what this is what we were afraid of. Okay, so yeah, you're right. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, yeah, what are the implications of that? If people yeah. are like, oh, if we do our whole investigative report in an effort to well, bring I mean, things to light and heal and be more accountable, all this stuff, and it brings the DOJ on our front door, maybe we shouldn't be doing this kind of thing. Maybe well, this will I mean, disincentivize other congregations from doing things like this. I mean, th- th- my answer is that it shouldn't be a choice. Like, yeah, maybe it will disincentivize, you know, like even if you don't have the incentives, the forces are should be too great for you to say no. So it shouldn't matter. Your incentives should not matter. Yeah. Like the justice system just needs to come cracking down on your... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Obviously, I'm all for that. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying we, we, we shouldn't worry about... we Instead of worrying about what message this, sh- this sends to them, is crack, we should make it so that their incentives are irrelevant because they have no other choice. That's what we should be pushing for. Anyways, next news. Yeah, do we have any presentation or anything for this news? Or are we uh, not really. I mean, we could bring up the the OneDrive photos that Bobak sent us if we want. No, I'm gonna uh, review, like we'll tell people. I'm gonna review those with Varia, maybe on the English channel, because he was, so, he was <gasps> really that's so much maybe. fun. Okay, wait, we need to clap. We need to do the next segment. All right, next news. Next news, spilling the tea. Wait, let me get my tea. Spilling the tea <laughs> on Celebrating Descent 2022. Mm. So, so tell people who don't know, me and Susanna spoke at this event uh, organized by week. Expos last week, um, organized by Ex-Muslims of um, the Castle of Ex-Muslims of Britain and a whole bunch In of other Free organizations. Thought Lebanon. Free Thought Lebanon, and which Mariam Ramazi. And yeah, Richard Dawkins was speaking at that event. Me and Susanna had our own panels, and it was a roller coaster, right? So what were it was a roller coaster. (laughs) We're gonna we're gonna review some of these videos with you guys. We have to first organize the files, upload them, and I think we're gonna bring a guest on. We're gonna there was like a lot of drama. There was a lot of um, Susanna was called a terrorist sympathizer in front of everybody. In front of Dawkins. <laughs> so how does it feel to be a terrorist sympathizer, Susanna? <laughs> Apparently, you guys, I support the Taliban. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. saying finally, I have been waiting for this. So, Armin, last time we had the Q&A, you were saying maybe for the Q&A this coming week, we should do a deep dive into celebrating dissent instead of our normal format. What yeah, yeah. Can we? Yeah, let's do that. Let's instead of channel, let's do a deep dive with it. Okay, we can but have we these people have, ask we us questions. We need Bobak to have the files uploaded somewhere for us to go through. They are uploaded. They're on OneDrive. Yeah, like, okay, on YouTube or something. OneDrive is like this is like segments of it. It's okay. We'll figure it out. I'll oh, talk okay. To I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah. I don't even know Talk, what to get yeah. into. There are so many moments. Um. I think, okay, so let's just start talk about what Armin is referring to. So I was on the first panel of the entire conference 
and we can do a dissection of my panel because I have my own thoughts and feelings about it. I'm just extremely self-critical. So I think I, it was, uh, it was like my living nightmare, but everyone else is like, you're fine. <laughs> I thought she did great. She, she thinks she didn't do good. I think she was one of the best speakers, but she doesn't think so. I think originally you got off to a rocky started, start. <laughs> rocky. I think you started rocky. I think you were nervous. I think like you were caught off guard with, uh, with the moderator's questions and stuff, but then eventually you got, you got back out and, and I think you had some really, really interesting uh, nuanced points. And then you were cut off guard again in the middle of it, and then you had to adjust to that. But then you got back on it again. It was, I think, it did, for your first panel, I think it was really good. Yeah. Oh well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So yeah. me and Jimmy Bangash were speaking on the same panel, and then I he said some things to me on the panel in front of everyone that nearly made me disassociate with social panic. <laughs> but apparently, no one else can tell. Yeah. as i'm spinning into the ether um <laughs> and uh so we should probably do a full dissection of that but like now every i and i was furious at jimmy for like all the rest of the conference but then when i needed help like legitimately needed actual help he was there for me so we're all good <laughs> um and i was like you actually saved my skin so i, I forgive everything um <laughs> And then why, so what Armin is talking about me being a Terry sympathizer is because later we had a panel where um, there were a bunch of women talking about hijab and forced hijab and free, being a free woman in Islamic societies, all this stuff. And there was a woman from Afghanistan there, and many of them were talking about Afghanistan, and um, I stood up and they have a Q&A at the end of every panel and I stood up and asked a question and I can't remember how I phrased it but I basically said like the free world quote unquote is oh no is You're putting right. sanctions on the Taliban for the sake of women's rights like among many other things and women's rights to education and other protections for women as we do this like 97% of Afghanis are, are food insecure. Women are starving. They are forced to sell their children. They are forced into child marriage. They're forced to sell their kidneys. And I basically asked the question, are we harming women in our attempt to fight for their rights or whatever? And... This woman from Afghanistan stands up in the audience to respond and ask a question, and she starts railing at me. And it actually took me a second to realize that she was railing at me. And she, was, she started she looking like, at you. Wait, why can't I hear you right now? Just a second. Guys, it was so imagine, imagine a victim, a victim of this whole mess in Afghanistan, like a woman who is actually suffering under the hands of Taliban, calling you out, okay, as somebody who is taking the side of her oppressors, okay, simply because Susanna was asking a question on, I mean, it's a legitimate question, and I think like a lot of, ah, if, I don't know if I should say this, I could get into a lot of trouble by saying this, right, but the, Susanna's question well, I'll ask Susanna when she's back whether I could ask, I could say this or not. Oh, you can hear I'm me. back. Well, Susanna's question is very, it's a good one, okay? 
So the next question is like, we have um, a lot of Afghani women. Like what we pay attention to, uh, the secular world, the liberal world, pays attention to Afghani women in the major cities who were being educated, who are had now because had access to a better life right now, they had jobs, they were becoming professionals. And Afghanistan was like, at least when it comes to women rights, was now moving ahead, moving ahead of Iran, right? Um, was becoming, women were very present and becoming very educated in Afghanistan. And all of that because of Taliban has been taken away from them. Their rights, their freedom, their right to a career, their right to freedom, their right to autonomy, to control over their lives, all of that is being taken away from them. So that's the cost, right? However, on the other hand, there are a lot of other women uh, in Afghanistan that are suffering from starvation, okay, because of the current, because of many things, including Taliban's mismanagement, okay, um, the pandemic, um, Ukraine war, but also, also the sanctions on Afghanistan and the fact that a lot of um, assets of Afghanistan have been frozen and also because of the uh, Taliban has not been recognized. Um, I mean, we're not saying they should or shouldn't be, but this is a discussion, right? So it's a question. The question is like, should we consider those women? Like, it's not just like the, I don't know, uh, the Kabul, central Kabul academic woman in Afghanistan you should be worried about. Like not recognizing the Taliban is could be leading to a lot more suffering. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. It's a good question to ask. But even questioning that to maybe like, maybe we should recognize the Taliban for the sake of these other women, okay? Um, and I honestly, I, this might be controversial to say, Susanna, right? Because you should be for Afghani women always, all the time. Uh, but I think some of these Afghani women who are like thinking everything about, is about education, and not being covered up, they are actually betraying other Afghani women who want to have food, who want to make sure that their bombs are not being dropped on their heads. Okay? Who don't want so, to sell their children or sell their own organs. Yeah. I mean, you can't ignore those other women. Okay? They, they are women as well. They are all Afghani women as well. And I think it was very unfair. All Afghans, the- really. Yeah, all Afghans, but I'm saying if you want to focus, if you're only focusing on women, well, these are women. I'm not just like, uh, they're men too, but I mean, they have women as the ones that are not, they're, they're suffering from poverty because of these policies. They have women among them as well. I, I mean, I've been told, I don't know. I think half of them are women. Okay. So, <laughs> so what, what you seem frustrated. What is it? Oh, no, no, I'm not frustrated. No. I'm just like remembering. <laughs> yeah. No, but then she's like, then they're pointing at Susanna and like, you don't need to speak for Afghani women. The Afghan, they, and they're accusing her and saying like the Afghani women who are risking their lives, like they rather, she, she's claiming that they would rather go hungry. I'm like, fuck you. All of them? Who are you? Like, you think because you are an Afghani woman, you get to speak on behalf of all of Afghani women? They're all like you. You're saying like, look at go ask. She says go ask Afghani woman. I'm like, no, you go ask Afghani woman because you're you haven't. You seem to not understand that some of them don't want this. Yes, there are one some of them that are risking their lives that would rather die than live under the Taliban. But you can't use those as examples and then attribute it to all of Afghani women. So even though you are an Afghani woman, 
you shouldn't tell Susanna. Susanna actually has a more realistic perspective of our Afghani woman than you do. She shouldn't be talking to Afghani woman. You should go back to uh, talk to Afghani woman. The entirety of Afghanistan is not just a woman in Kabul or other major cities that got a taste of Western Western lifestyle or education or some secularism. That's not the entirety of Afghanis. You are, even though you're from Afghanistan, you're living in a bubble. You're living in your own centralized liberal bubble in Kabul or somewhere else that you think this is the entirety of the perspective of Afghani woman. Susanna's perspective, she's not a terrorist sympathizer. She's an Afghani woman, an Afghani people sympathizer. You seem to not understand that. You just actually, you are actually very selfish. You are a selfish one. You are thinking that your priorities is everyone else's priorities. Again, it is a tragedy that Afghani women can't get educated right now. It is a tragedy that they get, don't get to choose their what they wear, okay? But there are also other things that we have to take into account. And even... Even if it's worth the cost, even if you think all this mass poverty that is Afghanistan is going to be inflicted by, it's worth the cost because liberal that's the cost of liberalism. This is a worthy discussion to have. This is a worthy discussion to have to see whether it's worth the cost. Just because somebody is asking that doesn't mean that they're taking the side of Taliban. It's such a pathetic brain that um, pushback. Like, and it's so hard because you are asking a challenging question. You are asking the only good question. Okay, and you. If have, someone imagine, asked me that question, to be fair, I wouldn't know how to respond. Yeah, but then imagine being in Susanna's position. Somebody in the audience from Afghanistan wearing traditional Afghan clothes, okay, and crying about their situation and pointing out Susanna. Basically saying, telling, I can't remember exactly what she said, but she was basically expressing like, "I'm so disgusted to see like these women from America saying this, like betraying us like this." And I was like, no. "Whoa, whoa!" And that's when I realized that she was railing against me, and everyone in the audience was like, <laughs> "Like, oh yeah. my god, what just happened?" This woman for America understands what the plight of Afghani woman more than that Afghani woman herself, even though she might have like been oppressed by Taliban and she's seen the worst. She said she, she, Susanna understands the situation more than her, even though you're wearing traditional Afghan costume and you come from that, you've been oppressed by Taliban. I'm, I'm sorry. All that oppression hasn't made, hasn't actually made you very smart. Okay. Oh, Jesus you, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest here. Gets us in trouble. I, I, no, no, I'm like, you don't have the right perspective. You are, you're very narrow minded. You look at your own personal experience and you try to come up with a collective like solution to everything, which is like, yeah, brain dead. Yeah. Forever Stormy is saying, I think for Afghan women, this is too raw in, in anything, no matter how nuanced, that gives the Taliban regime any concession is seen as sacrilege. And that's what I can appreciate. Like, I actually have a lot of empathy for her. Because and I, there was also, frankly, like some language barrier. And so, and I'm asking like an extremely difficult question that is morally very difficult and also just policy-wise very difficult. And so I have a lot of empathy for how emotionally that would make someone feel. I, I so I, I'm, I don't have anything against her personally or anything. Um, and then after she said that, I like took the mic and i was like i just want to say like uh fuck the taliban <laughs> like <laughs> like i don't yeah i think i was misunderstood um yeah i think it's really it's really difficult like if i was in the position of 
an Afghan woman and I had to make the choice and it's a brutal choice between feeding my family and selling one of my daughters into a child marriage and my right to education, I would throw away my right to education in a heartbeat. Yeah. I would do anything to protect my children from that. Anything. And and there are counter examples. There are examples of people who would rather give up everything for liberty, but you can't act like if that's you say, that's me. Don't say that's the entirety of Afghani women. Don't act like you because you are one of those Afghani women. That means that that's everyone's priority. Like even here, even in our live chat, again, starting with the trust me. Again, people, when somebody says trust me, no, 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 this person's being sarcastic. Okay, well, good. Then don't don't trust it. How do you know that? How can you tell? Because they were like based on what they were saying earlier. Because Cosmic Heathen is saying she used the trust me, bro card. Trust me, bro. Afghan woman, we better starve themselves than wearing burqa all the time. Okay, good. So good thing because I was gonna, I was gonna unleash hell upon you, like I was ready. Good thing Susanna is here because I was about to. <laughs> you have no idea. I saw much like how hell my... was unleashed unleashed upon me based on understanding. Cosmic Heathen mm. was about to get it. <laughs> I saw red when I saw this comment. I'm like, here's a prime example of what I'm talking about right here. But guys, make sure if you're being sarcastic. Please put it like a symbol or something. It tongues out like a or a slash s or something. How am I supposed to know that it's sarcastic? So Cosmic Eden is saying, "Trust me, Afghan women would better start uh, would better start themselves than wearing a burqa." But okay, all the time. But that was the point that the person on the panelist made. She 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 came to she actually like, did say that. You know, you you're being sarcastic. This is exactly what she said. Like we will show you the clips. Like she was telling Susanna, like no, you don't understand. Go ask Afghan women. They would rather die. They would rather die than, yes. I'm like, no, you don't understand. You're Afghani, but you don't understand because they don't rather starve. They will put the burqa on if that means that they will not have to starve. If you rather die, that doesn't mean they rather die. Yeah, it was wild. I know. And then at first I was like really uncomfortable and I have severe social anxiety. So... Like, I cannot tell you how badly everything in my body was physically telling me that I need to disappear. Um, <laughs> Cosmic Eden is saying, thanks, thanks, Susie, for saving me. Um, and then afterwards, I was like, oh, wait, no, this was, like, not my fault. And a lot of people came up to me and were like, I actually agree with your point. Like, I don't think what we're doing is right. Or, um, or <laughs> and then it became a joke. I was like, are you, are you sure you want to be seen with a terror sympathizer right now? <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty wild. Is there any other? Do we want to talk about the drama you started on your panel, Armin? Yeah, I I, I made like half the audience boo me. Actually, I think I don't know was it half the audience, but I had to like I, I as soon as I got the mic and said people realize what I'm gonna say, there was like a wave of negative energy coming at me from that. But on your face, on your face, you were like this. You're like, ooh, I know. Don't do it, Armin. And he was like, I'm gonna do it. Like. <laughs> in your okay. face you can see how you're like oh, my God. oh yeah <laughs> i thought i oh my. should we give the context go ahead so we all i mean yeah i don't know how much we want might want to save some juicy stuff for 
our Q&A. Or maybe on the Q&A, yeah. we can do some choice, like, clip viewing, and we can actually watch it back. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But give them some... So basically, Armin was on a panel with a, a bunch of people, and they were talking about God and morality and all this stuff. And it was, like, a bunch of men, lovely people, and then one woman, whose name is a uh, journalist, Khadija Khan. And... um. Then, so it was the Q&A portion, and all of a sudden, this person stands up in the audience, who happens to actually be another speaker, and says, I just want, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, like, I just want to say that even in the secular movement, like, the patriarchy is still alive, and you're not letting her talk at all, and this is, like, male dominance and all this stuff, and everyone in the audience, like, at least where I was sitting, because we're in the front row, we were looking at each other, we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Patriarchy, what? And yeah. then it just and then it just derails. Everything derails. <laughs> but and, it didn't derail until it didn't it didn't derail because people other people were like completely submitting to this to this claim. I mean, I was waiting for the mic until it, nothing happened not until everyone. the mic got well, you, yeah. okay, you tell it as you remember. No, so like she said it, and then people just went with it, and we're like, yeah, and like, and nobody responded to that, and I was just waiting for the mic so I could respond to that. And then as soon as I got the mic, and people realized that I'm gonna push back on this patriarchy claim. No, no, it's that, no, it's not just unleash. You were about to unload. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but the audience were like, and just like trying to make me not respond. I. I, I wanna I wanna rewatch this video, but I a think there was a swell of <laughs> Yeah, but I think people were trying the audience were trying to convince me to just let it go. Okay, because this is a very very feminist audience, okay? And yeah. they just realized they didn't think I think like I've never seen anybody like challenge this kind of narrative in these conferences. And I didn't think I thought like there's never an expectation that anybody was gonna challenge any. A comment like this right i thought like anytime somebody tells you like oh men should shut up or let the woman speak or this is too much patriarchy this is the signal to like like okay let's like let's just accept this and go like let's not uh, rattle the cages or anything like that so when they when there was th this moment that people realized that I, this is what i'm going to respond to there was like they really there was a major i think there was an attempt by the audience to convince me to just let this go, let this go. And at that oh, moment, definitely. I connected Walid also, okay? Walid was the mod of our panel. And I think he could have decided to shut this down. And because if because I was very, the entire time during the panel, you can see that I'm always looking at Walid because he's like the moderator. And I'm also like trying to get signals from him whether it's okay for me to say something or continue or not. So he had the power to shut me down. And he decided to not shut me down, okay? He decided to let me go. <laughs> so, he was like, do it, my son. <laughs> okay, so, and I, the first thing I said is, like, I responded to the booing and, the, like, all the, like, the pushback. I was like, oh, no, a man is going to be speaking about feminism. So, and I think, in hindsight, people were that, like, oh no. <laughs> I think like that made things a lot worse. 
I'm guys, I'm like, I'm not gonna back down. I'm gonna double down. Oh my god, we should we should watch that clip, okay? And I basically compared their patriarchy claims to God because it's like a patriarchy of the gaps. Basically, everything they can is explained by patriarchy. All the problems are being explained by just like God is just filling the gap of things that we can't explain. The God did it. God did it. They're basically what they're doing is explaining everything with patriarchy. And I was very careful, very careful to mention that not all okay even though people are like oh this is you don't understand feminism i'm like i specifically said some feminists okay not all feminists right but also i khadija herself on the panel who was the uh, woman on our panel she also said like this is not like this was she feels like we're she wasn't um, her right like wasn't taken her, her speaking time wasn't taken away from her guys like look go back and look at the video every single time she she requested the mic even if i was sitting, sitting ne right next to her okay i there was a time before this claim of patriarchy was being made i really wanted to say something okay and she said give me can i have the mic and against my self-interest which is hard for me to do because i noticed that she hadn't been speaking for a while. i was like i gave her the mic okay so and i don't do that usually okay i'm like ah oh, it's yeah. my turn so i like it was but after that they're telling like oh you don't let her speak they they claim that i took the mic away from her i like i specifically remember that it was the opposite i had the mic I wanted to say something to say something, and she requested mic, and I gave it to her. And I'm still being called like I'm. We're taking speaking time away from her, and it's a patriarchy. Like maybe I'm misremembering things. Maybe maybe this is false memory. So we will rewatch everything that happened and the pushback and what I said because yeah, and we'll see what happens. But also yeah, I, I'm not gonna go into more. We'll, we'll watch this together and we'll see what happens. Oh my gosh, it was it was it was. It was delicious. And then and then there was even more pushback saying I need to say what real feminism is. And then Miriam said, this is why we don't have too many men on a panel. And the thing is, it had nothing to do with there being too many men on the panel. There were supposed to be two other women on the panel, but they couldn't make it. So this isn't a result of the underrepresentation of women. This is because the women who were supposed to be there dropped out. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I have something to say. Never mind, I'm not going to say more because I could get in trouble. Um, I was going to say something. In else. general, we should also, when we do a full deep dive, um, we need to talk about the 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 turfy aspect of this conference. Well, I don't know if turf people term. like to be called turf. Is that like an insulting term? They, they consider it a slur, but just for the sake of people more quickly understanding what kind of position I'm talking about, I use the term. What do, what do what do they prefer to be called? I think I don't they know, would be radical feminists, real, maybe? No, real feminists. I think they would like to be probably. Called yeah, okay. I don't know. What do terrorists like to be called? We have to figure out because I don't want because I think most feminists in that conference were what other people call them turfs, right? So we want to make sure yeah. that we don't want to refer to them as turf if they hate being called turfs. I don't know. They did they do think it is a slur. Okay, so we should figure out we should say what some people refer to as turf. How about that? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's By the way, the easiest people way are to making. Explain. Oh, I remember. Yeah. I, I I remember some. Um, Jimmy was making fun of me for saying not all. Okay, and I'm like, apparently, I need to say it even more because 
on this panel, even though when I said like not all feminists, this is how some people, some feminists take it this far, the pushback against me from the audience was that I don't understand how nuanced feminism is. And this is not what if I if I studied feminism, I would understand that they don't what I'm saying is not, you know, feminism is a lot more complicated and nuanced than this. I was like, I did not even after I said this is not what all feminists say. Okay, there are specific people within feminism. So so I it is justified for me to keep saying not all because it's apparently I should have said even more, not less. So there you go. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um Armin, I have a question. Besides the speakers and the panels and blah blah blah, um, what is your favorite memory from the conference? My favorite memory from the conference is how much, how many times I was name dropped on panels that I wasn't on. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Okay. Um, but okay. So what? What was I going to say? Um, people are asking in the live chat where where are these videos? We will publish them. We got the permission from Mariam. We will publish them on a. Oh, we did. Public. Yes. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So we get you know, subscribe to this channel and notification. We will publish them all here, including the Q and A's where Susanna or I was involved. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think um, my favorite one. I have a lot of favorite memories from outside of the actual panels. I think one of my favorite memories is um, on the private dinner we had for speakers on Sunday. How you, uh, Viru Vids, Hara Sultan, and Sohail Ahmad had a, I'm calling it the great horniness debate. You guys had had a, a, a debate after a few drinks about women's horniness. It was hilarious. You Armin came you out as a strong defender of the yes. horniness of women. <laughs> You're welcome. Woman. It was so funny. There were men arguing against your right to drip, and I was protecting them. Okay? <laughs> no, 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 no. It was, it... <laughs> it's not about the right to. Like... They were just talking it's... about the I'm likelihood kidding. of, on average, across a population. <laughs> you know what? I could have taken. I could have taken an easy like. I could have done done them dirty, right? I could have like the fact that you think women can't get that horny, maybe has something to do with your mm. abilities. But I didn't mm. do that. I didn't do that. Mm. Um, okay, so uh, somebody, uh, Nub, I don't know who. I can't read the name. Is asking, can I ask what your email is so I can potentially send that to Bill Jensen? Bill Jensen is that Christian guy, right? Yeah, it's armit.navobi at gmail.com. Send that there. Send that there. Send my email to him. All right. Um, okay. <laughs> what? Satya saying, I want to watch that video. Give me the link. We have no we have no recording of that. There's no link right now. We will. We will is like, them. that was the topic of debate. What kind of men do you hang around? Oh, come on, man. It was it was it was fun. It was all in good fun. Susanna was there and she was having fun, even though I was she having didn't the time of my life. This is why you need men because women don't defend women getting horny. Okay, they would just watch there and just like confirm what you're saying, but they don't get involved because of all the shame. Because that they have we to don't have through. the testosterone to do it. No, because you're ashamed. You're ashamed. You can't take the pressure. 
So I'm here defending you. You're welcome. This is why thank you need you, men. Thank you. Yes, yes. This is why you need masculinity. Okay, it's not oh all toxic. God. It's actually, it's actually helpful. Long live the patriarchy. I was gonna say that in the panel when it's over. If I wanted to be a major ripple, once the whole panel is over, I would like long live the patriarchy. <laughs> what would happen if I said that? Would that be too much? <laughs> We need to be invited back, Armin. I'm I'm joking. This is a joke. This is a joke. This is a joke. <laughs> the white knight of horniness. Ah! <laughs> Armin Sachi is saying Armin is mansplaining Susanna. Well, women need that. I don't know if you guys understand. <laughs> they they need it. Oh my gosh, we should also talk about... This is why men make the best feminists, because women can defend themselves. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, in general, I think that the radical feminists at this conference were some of the most sexist people I've ever met. Yeah. Hashtag the right to drip. Hashtag the right to be horny. Thank you, Suha. Yes, thank we you. We gotta get these, we gotta get these hashtags running. <laughs> 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 All right. Wait, wait, uh, Armin. I want to get a screenshot of us. Okay, so do a salute at the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Yeah. So okay. this coming week, we will we will give you more juicy behind the scenes moments from from the conference. This time, with videos. Yes. We'll go and video evidence. Video business, yes, yes, yes. In general, right, it was definitely an emotional roller coaster, but I had the time of my life and I cannot wait until next year already. Yes, yes. And guys, we're gonna we might potentially do an event ourselves. I mean, not potentially, we will do it. We will do an event on March 23rd in LA, right? Atheist Day. Day LA event. Okay, guys, if you can help us out with making this event easy in LA. Contact us. Where should I contact us? Like we should. If you would like to help us put on Atheist Republic, put on an event in LA for Atheist Day, which is March twenty third, twenty twenty three. Please email me at Susanna, spelled S U S A N N A, at atheistrepublic.com. Yeah, this is where it's spelled right here. Okay. Yes, please email Susanna and help us figure out venues, uh, speakers. I don't know, management contacts anything like a coverage of it sponsors um you know how to sell tickets all of that stuff if you could reach out to Susanna and help us out especially if you're in LA especially if you have experience with event management especially especially if you know people who have um, any connections or have experience like that please contact us and let us know um we're trying to set this up very fast because it's coming up soon yes all right um, we're going to go, um, me and Susanna, and exercise our right to be horny. And you go do the same thing. <laughs> what? That's what we're going to do, no? Okay. <laughs> hey, guys, go get go be horny somewhere else. Please right. like this video. We talked about a lot of things that YouTube doesn't like. So please like it, share it, subscribe, yes. comment. It helps. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. We got a gown. <laughs> <laughs>